Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 194 of Geekitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I am joined once again my, by my co-host and good friend Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good, Joe. We're getting pretty close, huh? 194. Yeah, yeah, six more episodes. I'm like not even thinking about it. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> Probably pretty- figure out exactly which episode that's gonna be. <laughs> that's pretty crazy, man. It's nuts. Wow. It's yeah. nuts. <laughs> how's, how's everything? It's been good. It's been good. I go back to work tomorrow. <laughs> okay, in person. Um, no, we got one more week before I go back. Well, a week and a half before I go back in person, and a lot okay. of a lot can happen and change in that week and a half. So we'll just have to see. But um, but the plan is, yeah, my first day back is the twenty first. That's right. I forget you've been on vacation the last two weeks. Yes, which has been very nice and much needed. Like I don't think I realized how much being on zoom 24 <laughs> seven. Well, that's right? an exaggeration, but being on zoom as much as I've been on, it's just a lot. It's, it's not the way I'm used to teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching. I can see how that can definitely sort of, you know, um, feel very different. Although I've been part of few conversations at work, you know, lately where we're talking about, you know, what the new normal is going to look like going forward in terms of offsite, you know, uh, work and Mm -hmm. um, kind of like different schedules. We're thankfully looking at, you know, making some permanent adjustments to, to our work schedules or whatnot, where I might get to work from home a day of week. So that's, that's pretty exciting. But I, but obviously teaching is one of those things that, you know, it's, it's all about the, the energy in the classroom and, and the, the give and take between, you know, everyone involved. Yeah, anybody who's ever been on stage and had a dead audience, they know what it's like to like perform to a uh, uh, an empty room. <laughs> it's exhausting because you it's end exhausting. up emoting that much more, you know? I feel yeah. the same way when giving presentations because I'm a I'm an admissions counselor, I'm a recruiter basically. So, you know, I've got a I, I visit classrooms and I give a presentation, a slideshow presentation on the school that I work for, you know, LCAD and, and on being an artist. And you're right. It's one of the things that I love about this job because I knew I would miss teaching and I knew I would miss the classroom. So the fact that I could still, you know, have a presence in a classroom dealing with students and, you know, kind of, uh, um, interacting, um, with the population, like high school student population really appealed to me. And, uh, yeah, zoom, zoom, presentations are way more exhausting (laughs) than in-person presentations because you get nothing you get you like you said blank screens yeah so you know that's the biggest i mean (laughs) my biggest fear is that i am going to go back to teaching on campus and because of the way my classes are they're just a mishmash of all sorts of different grade levels and people Mm -hmm. that i'm going to go back and have like two people in my classroom and still have two thirds of my class online. Yeah, I keep. Yeah, I think I, I was trying to at, get to that last week when we talked about this because that's what I'm wondering what that's going to look like for you and for other teachers that are, you know, being put into a hybrid situation going forward. Yeah, because I mean, the way we're doing is we're doing a slow rollout. We're starting with seniors. Well, I don't have a whole lot of seniors in a lot of my classes, and even if I do, it's certainly not the entirety of the class, and so. I'm going to have a percentage of a percentage of a percentage right? coming back 
in person. And so it's because it's not like I'm teaching civics or government or civics or economics where, um, you know, the entire class is made up of seniors. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting. I do think I'm going to end up teaching, you know, having three people in class with me and the rest of my class online, which is basically like, well, <laughs> I'm still basically teaching online. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, in in my mind, at least lo- logistically, it, like, I thought, okay, maybe then if most of the classes on Zoom and you had three students in the class, unfortunately, you would just have to give them laptops and have them sit <laughs> in the class on Zoom still, but in the class. Mm-hmm. And then you can still teach the Zoom class the way you would teach it for the majority of students. And they would still be participating in that manner, even though they're sitting in the classroom. That sounds terrible for the students that have to be there. Right. But but logistically, it's just like otherwise, what are you, what are you doing? Like what what does that even <laughs> look like? You know? Yeah, and I think at least for the beginning, it's going to be like we are a one to one school site, so that means every kid has their own Chromebook that is theirs to take home back and forth, and they are supposed to bring it to school every day. Mm-hmm. So they will have a, a laptop and they will be able to access the internet with everybody else. And that'll yep. all be fine. Um, it's just, you know, you feel bad for these kids that, you know, they're coming finally back on campus, but they're still staring at a computer screen. And we've been given the ability to do it three different ways. We can either um, teach just to the kids in the classroom and give the kids online um, uh, asynchronous work, which means basically we give them the, the, do at your own pace version of whatever we're doing. Um, we can do a thing like I think what most of us are going to start off doing, which is basically teaching online with people in your classroom. Mm. And then the other one is trying to do something for the online kids and something for the in-person kids, which really comes down to, well, how many people are we actually getting in the classroom? And once I know how many people I have, it'll be a little bit easier to say, okay, I do have, you know, 10 kids. So these 10 kids can demonstrate stuff for the kids online and we can do that. You know, that, that gives us a little bit more to work with. But if I've got three kids versus, you know, 25 online, then I gotta, I gotta teach to the biggest group. Yep. Yep. Ooh, that's gonna be interesting. Uh, (laughs) Godspeed. Thank you. How about you? How's everything been with you? Um, good, pretty chill. I got my second dose of the vaccine this week. So that kind of took me out the next day, you know, um, just like really foggy brain for like a day and a half. Um, but otherwise pretty chill. I took it easy this week knowing that, you know, I, I kind of had that coming, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, officially into the sec into the swing of the second half of the semester, you know, uh, I feel like finals are already looming mm-hmm. and it's like, geez, we just had spring break. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know we're going to only have about five weeks when we get back five or six weeks. Is that, yeah. that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I feel like I'm already sort of preparing myself for that. And just, you know, this week was a chance. I kind of scheduled in a lot of rest time, just knowing that I was going to probably not feeling, be feeling well from, from the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's like, okay, here we go. Like time to hit the ground running tomorrow morning. <laughs> I've got paintings to finish. I've got presentations to, to make. I've got, you know, uh, uh, students to get in contact with as they, you know, everyone starts to try to wrap up their, their applications before summer hits. So, 
yeah, I feel like, okay, it's a calm before the storm this past week. So I did get a chance to, you know, be geeky. Um, we have continued with our rewatch of the MCU. Oh, very cool. Which, what, what, which, which have you uh, watched so far? I think you had Iron Man 2 or you had just seen Iron Man 2? We, uh, we had watched, I think last time we recorded, we had seen uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, Captain Marvel, uh, the first Iron Man movie, which is definitely, you just, it just works. You know, you mm-hmm, can, mm-hmm. you can, you can still see the impact of that film that it has on, on people that are seeing it for the first time. And then, um, Iron Man two. And this time around we caught up with, I was going to jump right into the Avengers. I think that's what I said the last time that it's like, Oh, okay. Like, Oh no. Uh, uh, we were going to do Thor and then we were going to do the Avengers Mm -hmm. and, you know, in, in release order, it was Thor, then Captain America, the first Avenger, then the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And we had obviously started with Captain America, the first Avenger, so we were skipping that. So I thought we were going to go straight from Thor to the Avengers. And I thought, well, that works because the villain of the Avengers is Loki. You know, a big part of it is is the, the dynamic between him and Thor. And so, okay, like, yeah, that, that'll be a nice transition. And then I realized... Rosie has no fucking clue who the Hulk is. Oh, <laughs> no idea whatsoever, Joe. None, none. And, and, and I'm not exaggerating when I say none. I mean none. Zero. Right, right, who right, is right. that character? Who, what? He's green. What? Okay. So I was like, oh shit, there's a problem because the Avengers sort of starts with. I mean, I noticed in our rewatch that they do a little bit of ex- tiny bit of exposition, a line here or there, but they kind of already assume that you understand the threat that Mark Ruffalo poses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that little, in that little vill- that hut to that little, you know, house in the, vi- on the outskirts of town. And so I thought, shit, I think we're going to have to watch, the Incredible Hulk. Like, I'm not going to do Ang Lee's Hulk to her. Like, that's no, that's just that's just not that's uncalled fair. for. Yeah, <laughs> that's that that's abusive, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, <Be honest. laughs> so me thinking back to all the times that I have done that to somebody. Um, <laughs> so uh, I thought, okay, we can go ahead and skip ahead to the Incredible Hulk, and I was nervous. I was like, shit. Like, we have a little bit of momentum. Thor went over pretty well. Um, all of these movies are actually going over uh, better than I anticipated. And I guess, I don't know, as a Marvel fan, as someone who is, you know, totally plugged in, we kind of already have like a general consensus in terms of like, what are the best Marvel movies? What are the, the worst Marvel movies or least best, mm-hmm. right? What's at the bottom of the pyramid? Excuse me. Um, And so... In my recollection, you know, along with Captain America, First Avenger, Thor, especially the first two Thor movies, are some of those that are near the bottom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I'm always, you know, pleasantly supply, surprised when I see, when I watch one of those with somebody and they're watching it for the first time and they're like, that was enjoyable. And I get to go, oh, great. Okay, what a relief. You know, I haven't lost you. <laughs> yeah. If you thought that was good, we haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet. So, um no, we, you know, I got getting ready to put on Incredible Hulk. I was, 
oh man, I was really dreading it. I was, <laughs> I was kind of like trying to find in my in, a way in my head, like, is there a way we can skip this? And I thought, no, you know, they they do a good job of sort of giving you a quick origin in the opening credits of the Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. So that gives you an idea of why he has these powers and you know what he's dealing with and why he's on the run at the start of the movie. Who is Betty? Who is Thunderbolt Ross? Like that sort of thing. Who was who was Bruce Banner? You know, a scientist, gamma radiation, blah blah blah. And right before, so I kind of was like, "Hey, we're gonna watch this movie. It's not part of the MCU, but you know, like this, like I, I try to set the stage of like they made a movie. It didn't go over well. It honestly got very weird, <laughs> um, you know. So they they that was not intended to be connected to anything else other than its own thing." You know, she's aware of how Marvel licensed the rights, the movie rights to these characters when they were going bankrupt in the 90s. So, okay, Uh, they gave it a second go. But this time around, it was in collaboration with Marvel so that the story would hopefully, you know, connect to what they had going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, They recast the Hulk. So don't worry about the first actor to play him. This is the second actor. But guess what? Don't get too attached because the next time we see the Hulk, it's going to be played by a different actor. So just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here we go. And she was like, all right, cool. Let's, let's do it. You know? And then at the last minute, I thought, you know what? <laughs> I thought, let me just, I'm going to go onto YouTube and I'm going to bring up a couple of clips of the Hulk from the first movie. Like, just like, just so you can <laughs> see, get an idea. Um, I, I, sh- I found the clip on YouTube of Eric Bana f- or Bana first turning into the Hulk. Mm-hmm. No, no. First was the, the experiment where he gets gamma irradiated. Right. Then when he first turns into the Hulk at night in the office uh, with his dad, the janitor looking on. <laughs> then uh, a couple of uh, a couple of scenes in the desert where he's fighting the jets and he's fighting the tanks and they're still fun they're funny those Mm -hmm. parts uh the cgi is so bad right it is so bad rosie's comment was this he looks like a big toddler <laughs> in a way, he kind of is. <laughs> yes, yeah. he does. He kind of is, <laughs> and that's kind of what Ang Lee's take on the Hulk was. Actually, mm-hmm. you know this this id, right? Like before the ego has really gotten a chance to form and develop. Um, and to me, you know, I only added, yeah, he looks like a big toddler wearing a bad wig, <laughs> uh, and he looks like neon green, like yeah, super yeah. green. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Fifth Element. Um, and so uh, we watched those clips. And then um, I put on The Incredible Hulk. Right away, it's, you know, the Hulk looks like a um, a roided out emo anime character. Kind of, <laughs> right? With the, with the flowing hair and the, you know, the thinner, more chiseled features and the sinewy muscles, you know, rippling with, with veins everywhere. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, this is like the romantic version of the Hulk. Like this mm-hmm, is the, mm-hmm. the Hulk as, you know, possible love interest. <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> and uh, so it was actually, um, it went over pretty well. She, she enjoyed the ways that it called back to Captain America, the first Avenger, 
with the super soldier serum and you know they actually go into the lab and they show you some of the equipment that was used in that movie um they mentioned stark a couple of times um so yeah you know obviously uh thunderbolt ross is like a pretty big you know uh, presence in that movie uh as well as tim tim roth is such an odd choice <laughs> yeah yeah really Emil Blancy for like you know like <laughs> such not like he's supposed to be this like tough mercenary that is like, you know, battle hardened and, you know, it's Tim Roth, you know, <laughs> um, love him, but you just don't think, you know, like a uh, uh, mercenary anyway. So it went over well, especially at the end where, where Stark makes a, you know, cameo appearance and they really connected directly to uh, the rest of the MCU that that's going on by that point. And I realized, Oh, um, we should probably watch some of the one shots. We haven't we haven't been watching the Marvel one shots. Okay. And so we watched a couple of those, just the ones that were appropriate up to that point. And the consultant is one of my favorites. We we watched the consultant, and uh, it does explain why Stark shows up at the end of Incredible Hulk better than it was like originally stated in that movie. Mm-hmm. And so that was fun. And then um, we were ready for the Avengers after that. Okay, so I just want to do a, a quick breakdown. So you've seen Captain America, yes. Captain Marvel, yes. I, Iron Man, did yes. you? And you did see Iron Man too, yes, because that that came next. That comes next in the story, right? Then Thor, and yes. then the Incredible Hulk, yes. Now have you have you done Avengers yet, Joe? We did Avengers last night. Oh, how'd it go? Oh my God, Joe. <laughs> that I mean. That was one of the most epic rewatches <laughs> I've ever I've ever experienced. Um, that movie just is fantastic. It still holds up completely, completely. I have to go. I have to go back and watch it. I haven't watched it in forever. Hey, hey, Joe, I, I mean, Rosie was all in from mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. go. She she was I've never seen this person so animated and I've spent the better part of the last year with this person on a daily basis. <laughs> I've never seen her so physically animated. Her reactions to things, the way the scenes and the story beats were working on her uh was just like for somebody who's not a comic book fan and you know doesn't have a history with these characters, it was pretty amazing to see. And for me, for someone who does let me tell you, I almost teared up the first time that Stark and Steve meet mm-hmm. because I'm like, holy shit, that that's the moment. Like, mm-hmm. hey, nice to meet you. Hey, I've heard about you. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> totally caught up, like almost getting choked up, like at, at, at what these characters have in store for them. And um yeah, it was it was so much fun, and so immediately after, I'm not going to take you a, a beat by beat of the Avengers, but and, uh, uh, let me tell you, the Hulk steals the show. Still, uh, <laughs> I started to worry about that because I thought, oh crap, okay, we just watched the Incredible Hulk. She just saw this like huge like battle, like over the top, you know. Uh, and we've watched Justice League now twice. We've seen the theatrical version and we've seen the Snyder Cut. Mm-hmm. And we've watched Batman vs. Superman, you know, unfortunately. And we've watched Aquaman and both Wonder Woman movies. So I'm like, I wonder if the impact 
of the Hulk and of, of just the battle of New York in general, I wonder if that's now going to be lessened because at that point we really hadn't seen anything like that in a superhero movie to that scale. Right. Uh, turns out, no, the, the story and the characters really do make everything feel bigger. That's kind of like, it's kind of nuts because you've got to remember the, the, the huge difference between the Marvel universe and the DC universe that, that we always talk about is that the characters in DC universe are very big, epic, godlike figures. Yes. And, and that's not the way Marvel goes. Marvel tries to go for the more humanity of the characters. Yes. So for you to sit there and say that we've watched all these epic DC battles, but the Avengers feels so much bigger. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. And it's kind of, it, it kind of shows the, the problem between the two franchises. So, yeah. And I'll, and I'll say this, you know, Rosie is not totally down on DC. You know, she mm-hmm. also doesn't have childhood expectations of these characters. Like right, we right, do. right, right, right. Uh, but she's not totally down on DC. She enjoyed those movies. And she reiterated that last night as we were talking about the differences or whatnot. Um, but she did say this, and I thought these comments were very, very illuminating. She said, uh, with DC, she said, there are times, little moments where the story will lose me or I will be taken out of the movie. Mm -hmm. Usually when someone does or says something dumb or embarrassing, (laughs) or it's just too much. Uh Uh-huh. And then she goes, now it'll, it'll bring me back in, Mm -hmm. you know, in the next scene or whatever, I'll, 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 I'll come back into it, but there are those moments where I'm taken out of it with Marvel. I'm never out of it. I'm in, I stay in. That's it from beginning to end. She asked me, how long was this movie? I said, it was two hours, almost two and a half hours. She said, it felt like an hour. It went by like nothing, like just a blink. And it's done. So that's one comment that I was like, you know, stroking my chin. Interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, the other comments, she said, the DC movies feel more tense. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you mean? Like, do you think there's more suspense in the DC stories and the Marvel stories? She said, no, they just, they give me anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, let's, let's. Tell me more, right? Like, like, right. W- 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 and and uh, ultimately, what what it came down to, she said, um, the DC characters just feel really sad to me, <laughs> and the Marvel characters don't feel sad. She said, you know, it's it's partly it's the colors and the music, but it's also just them. Like, Batman is very sad to me, mm-hmm. and even Superman is sad. And I said, okay, you know, she's like, bad stuff has happened to them. And I said, okay, well, I mean, bad stuff has happened to Captain America. Like, Captain America has a sad story. You know, everyone he knows is dead. You know, he he lost the, the girl he was in love with. Like, that's pretty sad. And she said, yeah, but he's not traumatized by it. Mm-hmm. And the DC characters are traumatized. Like they're, 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 they're still in their trauma. They're still suffering from their trauma. Batman is traumatized. Superman, you know, his, his, his homeworld exploded and he's traumatized by that. Wonder Woman, 
lost Chris Pine and she's traumatized. Uh, you know, even the flash, his, his dad is in prison, Aquaman, you know, his mom, you know, that whole thing, they're traumatized. And I don't feel trauma when I'm watching the Marvel movies. That's, that's really interesting. That's right. And and I think it's because they, they aren't these solo characters. They're so integral to each other's stories in the Marvel universe where it kind of feels like the DC characters don't lean on each other. They don't relate with each other. They don't hang out with each other. Like they don't have, they are basically solo characters that do stuff together where, where, I mean, the, the black widow talks about how, um, you know, this is her family. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that obviously Marvel has done a really good job of weaving that into all of their, stories i what i found myself wondering about are the dc fanboys that would say hey you know superman is a fun bright character like superman is fundamentally happy and good Mm -hmm. um and i think and i agree with that by the way you know dc has colorful characters they have you know bright fun stories i mean come on the silver age like dc ruled that you know right right so then I wonder, I wonder how they feel about the Snyderverse (laughs) because, you know, yes, it's different than Marvel, but different isn't always necessarily better or, or a good choice just for the sake of being different. Right. Right. And, and I, for one, somebody who grew up loving DC characters, man, I want to see that version of the DC characters, Mm -hmm. you know, like I want that. I want to, I want a fun, you know, happy Superman, contented Superman, you know? Well, a lot of us, our first introduction to those characters was the super friends. Like, right, right. I mean, when you're a little kid, just the, the amount of fun that those cartoons were, were, you know, it's kind of like you kind of hope for that from the, you know, I always want the Justice League to be kind of like this group of people that go off of adventuring together against, yeah. the, against the Legion of Doom. Like, I still don't know why DC didn't just go, you know, what? we're going to do something different. We're going to create this, like epic movie where the justice league comes together to fight the the legion of doom and we're going to go the opposite way instead of starting with individual characters and then leading to the big movie we'll do it differently we'll do the big movie and then we'll break off and we'll get into these characters like we'll show you how epic these characters are and then we'll we'll make them more human and bring them together in in their own individual and it would have been a great like it would have been so (laughs) much fun you know you know what looks fun and colorful Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. I'm actually really <laughs> looking for I don't I don't care how like it just seems like it's gonna be a silly, fun yeah. movie. Yep. So so that brings me to this next this next part of our conversation where I said, Hey, so because we were watching the special features and the cutscenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, That's Joss Whedon. More on him later. Uh <laughs> I said I said that's the person that wrote and directed this movie. And that's the person that when, when Zack Snyder had to leave justice league halfway through, they brought DC hired him to come in and finish it. And the look on her face, she said, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, mind you, I had explained this to her before. I had said, "Hey, the person who made you know this Marvel, these Marvel movies, you know, he got hired to come in. Zack Snyder, you know, Dark Vision. He had to leave. You know, the Marvel dude finished it. You know, that's that was the first version of Justice League that we watched." Now we're getting ready to ready to watch the Snyder cut, which is, you know, Snyder came back and finished his vision, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, okay, cool. But now after having watched the Avengers, mm-hmm. she goes, oh, and then her next question, <laughs> her next question, how would that even work? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it so makes sense. So when you think about it, it so makes sense how you... Like trying to marry the two visions just was never going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I said, by the way, he's terrible, but we'll talk about that later. She's like, what? And I'm like, just when we get to age Ultron, I'm going to explain a bunch of shit. Um, So, so yeah, that dude, we were both so hyped with adrenaline last night after watching the adventure. That's so awesome, man. I'm so like, that's so cool. It's so good. There are things happening story-wise that I had never noticed before. Um, there are little, like, I never, it never, cause the movie starts and Thor shows up and his hair is different in the first scene than it is that he's in, than it is in the rest of the movie. And I thought that's interesting. I never noticed that before. And then he's not wearing his sleeves. He's sleeveless. And I thought, oh yeah, I remember this choice. You know, he sleeved this in this movie, but then before the battle of New York, he fucking holds Mjolnir to the sky and gets struck by lightning and his, he sleeves himself up. Mm-hmm. I forgot I, about that. I had never noticed that before. So I don't know how many times I've watched these goddamn movies. I'm still noticing like little things. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I love watching like the, after all the, I mean, we are going to get to Falcon and the Winter Soldier today. And like, I, I almost feel like it's, it's required viewing to go online and watch the, the Easter egg. Yeah. videos because yep. otherwise you just don't like nobody has that much not much knowledge like these people yes. have crews of people that can pull out every little frame and see what's going on and and you miss so much stuff just did because you, you're, you're watching and you're in the moment of the of the film did you start watching those with wandavision oh yeah every after every episode i watch <laughs> Because I was like, I, I've got theories, but I know other people have better theories, and I want to see how they like mesh up. Doesn't it add so much? It adds to, to so much. Yeah, this so is why I, this is why I've been spending so much time on YouTube the last few years, man. Yeah, this yeah, is how I found. Really this is how I found Nando. This is how I found E Man. This is how I found you know <laughs> new rock stars. Like because it's it really is like a whole addition to the experience. It's great. So I really need to go back and start. Like I keep saying, I need to do this. I've just been so busy, right? I will. I will get to that in my my weekly geekery. But um, I really do want to start going through these and then go back and hit the Easter egg um, videos for each of them. I think yeah. it's such a that would be such a fun thing to to go through. One more thing uh, before we uh, I move on from this. Um, I very end of the very end of the movie. You know, to to uh, to do that is to court death, right? Mm-hmm. And then we get the big purple guy kind of turn his head and smirk back at the camera, and I just silent beat for a minute, and I looked at Rosie and I said, "You're not supposed to know who that is yet." And she said, "I have no idea who that is." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you'll know. He's inevitable. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm like, you're going to be oddly attracted to him. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and of course her inevitable questions like, okay, how many, like how much more time do we get to spend with these characters? Like who, you know, cause she wants to know how many Iron Man movies am I going to get? And I'm like, it doesn't really work that way. You know? And she's like, how, okay. So, are these characters like, do they, do we see them in the next one? I'm like, okay, there's another phase and each, you know, the end of each phase culminates with, you know, an Avengers movie. So we're going to get Avengers two at the end of phase two. She's like, okay, I go. And ultimately when the whole thing is said and done, there's four Avengers movie. And she went, holy shit, there's four of these. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... I said, yeah, there's four of these. And she goes, does everybody make it? And I said, you can't tell her that. like I would be affronted by that question. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? This is this is the source of her of her anxiety is she just wants everyone to be happy and at peace. She just wants everyone to be safe and warm and live forever. That's that's what she wants for for everything and everyone for the mm-hmm. world, okay? Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, her her first question is does everyone make it? Is everyone okay? I love these characters so much already. Are they all, do they all get happy endings? Are they all like good in the end? <laughs> <And> <laughs> they, I said, all, they all get completed story arcs. Let's right. just go that way. Right. I said, I can't, I'm not going to say anything, but no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that, that, I mean, I didn't get a ton of hours a week, but what I got was very, very, very substantial. I cannot wait until she gets to like the Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, just so much good stuff. Yeah. Um, Like she hasn't, you guys haven't even like, you haven't even scratched the surface. Okay. So, so this is one thing that I can't, (laughs) the other thing I cannot wait and please do not say anything because I, I, I want to see where she falls on it. I, I, think she already has leanings but it'll be very interesting to see where she lands on um civil war like if she is team iron man or team hap oh she definitely has leanings already yeah yeah which were you were you iron man or cap um honestly i throughout the course of that movie i switched back and forth i i was not i i was scene to scene i was with different characters gotcha Gotcha. Early on, I was with Iron Man, and I think at some point in the middle of the movie, I switched to Cap, and then at the end of the movie, I was with Iron Man again. Yeah, I can see that, but at the same time, I was Cap all the way. Like you got to, like in my mind, like, that was the oh, only man. choice for me. That was when, the only choice for me. <laughs> when Cap was like, because because he's, you know what's funny? Okay, this is a great that you brought this up because it reminded me of something. Couple times during the Avengers last night. Cap got some eye rolls. Oh, really? Yes. Goody two shoes, fucking Boy Scout, you know, 1940s white male Captain America. That's fair. Got some fucking eye rolls where he said, you know, when he said, um, uh, what did he say? What does he say when he walks into a helicopter? He goes, son, just don't. She went, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> or when, or when he said, uh, there's only one God, ma'am, and he doesn't dress like that. She just looked at me and was like, ugh, like, shut up. 
And you know what? It's funny because you forget about that aspect of Captain America, but he really does evolve out of that. He really does. And and really does. And I said, you know, hey, he's they're keeping him true to character. He's from the 1940s. Like that isn't just a fun story, you know, a fun fact about Cap. Like he is that person and he has to evolve out of that at some point. But he's very like, you know, when when Tony is is on the helicarrier and he's going this doesn't seem weird to you like why the fuck would they just bring me in now and what are they hiding there he's the spy nick fury is the spy like he's he's not telling us everything they're up to no good and captain america is like listen just fall in line and follow orders because you don't know how to do that and stop questioning Mm-hmm. No, no, none of that is going over well. No. <laughs> <You know>? no. <laughs> none of that is. So, so, and I think, you know, there's, there's, I think some people have more kind of like visceral, you know, uh, uh, reactions to that than others. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I remember, I mean, with civil war, you know, indignant cap, you know, is just like, no, you know, I, I don't, you know, I only trust myself and it's just like, ugh, you know, but, but then it makes sense. And, and at the end when Tony Stark is like, I don't give a shit. He killed my parents. I'm like, fuck yeah, Tony, fuck him up. Like <laughs> killed your parents. Like cap, why do you have Tony's back instead of fucking like, I mean, why do you have Bucky's back instead of like Tony? What the fuck? You know, anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it'll be, it, but I, I completely forgot about that kind of evolution of cap and, and it yes. makes sense because it's like they, they basically have to have him at that level to evolve him to the point where like his civil war, his whole world crap. Well, winter soldier, his whole world crashes, but, right. but it really like, he has to really make those hard decisions in, um, in civil war because it's just not like the the taking orders and falling in line just doesn't work anymore. And yeah, exactly. Like, I, I I love how both of the Iron Man and Captain America characters evolve over these twenty three movies. It's yeah, insane. And you know, in fairness to Chris Evans, the, he's a funny guy. He's really witty. He's really funny. Uh, he he really he can come alive on screen and kind of you know take over a scene. Mm-hmm. And we saw that with Human Torch, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but Steve Rogers doesn't call for that. No, and and you know it's still a fun character to watch, as are all these characters. But man, the minute that Robert Downey Jr. steps onto the screen, it's just a different energy. It's oh yeah, it's just a whole. It's faster, and it just everything. Like I saw Rosie's body language change, like her posture changed as soon as. Tony and Pepper were having their their funny little give and take at at you know at at Stark Tower. Uh, it's just fun. It's just funny. It just moves. I, I remember when they announced that Robert Downey Jr. was going to be Iron Man, and like instantly, I was like, "Oh my god, this! I don't, I don't think there could be more perfect casting." Right? There's just no. There's no better casting than that. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr.'s life almost parallels Iron Man's without You're the right? super suit. <laughs> and you know, I want to I want to give you a chance to share your week of geekery, but I'll say uh, you know, se- segueing into the Winter Soldier, I'm into uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know what is a part of this show is Captain America's absence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is a, a huge, huge part of the show. Yeah. 
And and uh, they they bring up so many good questions. And uh, uh, we had an article linked to us by Chelsea from our mm-hmm. um, Slack group that that I think we're definitely going to talk about, which really kind of brings home what they're trying to do. I think. Yeah. With yeah. This. And and it it I don't know it. We'll we'll get into that. There's just a lot to talk. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yes. Yes. So tell me about your weekly geekery. Um, so I didn't do a whole lot this week because I have been, I have been editing. I have been editing a lot. (laughs) Um, I am not at all sad that I am editing because I am very happy with the product we're putting out. If you're not out there listening to as the dice roll, you totally have to be because it is really like, I can't even tell you how excited I am about the stuff that's coming up on, on future episodes. Um, I may have mentioned this last week, but we've actually decided to, um, start launching, start dropping episodes of Cautious Optimism every week instead of every other week because we have so much content going out or stored up that we won't get through what we're recording now until 2022 if I keep mm-hmm. releasing every other week. And the stuff we're doing now is so good because I mean, it's just like, <laughs> t- honestly, it's just like a TV show. It's like, the first few episodes, you're trying to kind of get used to each other. You still don't quite know the characters yet. I mean, we don't because we're playing the characters. We're we're creating these characters from scratch, and we have a, like a basic idea of their backstory. We have a basic idea of of who they are, but we don't know how they relate to each other yet. We don't know what their you know bigger arcs are going to be, and so. The, those those first episodes, as as Kelly Hightower, who plays um, the captain on on Cautious Optimism, said, she's like, you know, we're still we're still doing episodes where we're trying to fix the ship because the ship just doesn't fly well. Yeah, you know, you know, it's because you're still it's this idea of a rundown spaceship that you know these people are. Wait, I thought you meant the proverbial ship. You're talking about an actual ship. No, no, it's an actual ship. It's it's like it's like Firefly meets Star Trek. Oh my meets- god! I'm like, that's a great metaphor, uh, Joe. Yeah, like the ship just doesn't fly well yet. They're just trying to get the story kinked out, uh, worked out. Yeah, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that's exactly what the problem is: is that the story does not. Like, we haven't gotten to the the big media parts of the meaty parts of the story because they're still trying to buy parts for the ship. Um, but the stuff we recorded, honestly, Ray, yesterday we had a, a recording session and like, there were several moments where like either I was in a, a, a scene with somebody or two other people were in a scene together and I got a little choked up. Like the, the story Ooh. that the, 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 that Todd is telling our, our GM is, is so good. And he's just kind of like throwing out moments He's just kind of like, here's a moment that I feel like would be here. Here's a moment that I would be here. So he just opens up these opportunities for um, us to interact in character. And they're just they're just turning out so well. So I'm very, very happy. Even though it's a lot of work, the, the rest of the cast has kind of agreed to help me out a little bit with the editing because it's just so much editing. Wow. I mean, like like every every recording session is two hours and every episode is about, once you edit it all down, it comes out to about 45 minutes to an hour. And so now because we have, you know, cautious optimism is not the only campaign that's running on as the dice roll. We have the horse feather saga, which is just a weird, wacky, strange dungeons and dragons adventure. And then I'm just about to start my monster of the week campaign, which is, um, 
called What Is Not, and that launches Tuesday. And so what we're doing is on Tuesday, the second, fourth Tuesday of the month, we're launching, we're, we're dropping episodes of those two shows. And then on Fridays, we're dropping the Cautious Optimism episodes. And so it's basically six episodes a month of content that I'm putting out in this stuff. Hmm. So as much as exciting as it is and how much fun it is and how much I'm glad that we're doing it because I feel like we're producing some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Talk about the decision to release a podcast like this uh, weekly or whatever schedule, as opposed to just waiting until you're finished with it and then dropping it all at once for people to binge. You know, Matt's brought up the same question and I feel like it's because there's no clear delineations really for when a quote unquote season starts and stops. And so we're doing kind of weekly stuff. And so you know, every episode doesn't necessarily have a very good, like it's very hard for me as the editor to find how to cut it so that it makes sense as a single episode. And if you drop a four, like if you go on YouTube and look at, there's some people who drop four hour episodes of their campaigns. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's always very overwhelming. Right. For me, I would much rather throw out a bunch of hour-long episodes like a TV series, and then if people want to binge them, you know, great, until they catch up. Or, you know, they can just do it every week, you know, as they drop. It just depends on on how they want to take in the content. And then the other other part. Oh, sorry. Go go ahead. What about dropping four one-hour episodes in a week? Well, that means that I have to edit – that I have to – drop i have to edit four episodes a week right right and so it does come down to i mean part of the reason why i have so many episodes of cautious optimism is we started recording in september but i told everybody like i want to make sure we get ahead of it enough so that Mm -hmm. way if i have something come up i'm not dropping episodes Mm -hmm. i don't want to i don't want to go a week without somebody not getting their episode and so that gave me winter break to get all the stuff put together but now, you know, the stuff that we're dropping right now, we recorded back in October. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to catch us back up so that they can kind of see some of the stuff we're doing now. Cause I think it's a lot stronger as, as any TV show or, or series would be it's stronger later because the characters have developed and the storyline has percolated a little bit. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I could try and drop it. I mean, if I wanted to sit down and just like blaze through and just dedicate myself to a a week of editing and get everything, you know, get four or five episodes done and then just launch them. I could, but that would literally be all I did that week. Mm. Dang. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but again, it's good. It's fun. So if you like actual plays, go check it out. But yeah, so what, that's a good portion of where my um, weekly geekery has been. Uh, the other part of what, I've been doing is my brother and I, he had a spring break this week. So we played a little bit more phantasmophobia or fat phasmophobia. I'm sorry. Phasmophobia. Um, it's a freaky, it's a freaky game, Ray. It's a freaky game. <laughs> I've seen more rumblings of, of, about it online too. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of fun, but you get in there and you're just like, <laughs> my brother gets 
Mike gets so upset when um, when one of us dies because when you die, you lose all your equipment, and then you have to go back and buy it all. <laughs> and and you know, it's like it's it's not like a regular video game where if you're good at it, you can not die. Like if a ghost goes hunting, like all the lights start flickering, which tells you the ghost is hunting. You have to hide. And there's not always a hiding place available. And if like, like if it catches you, like there's no like defeating it or beating it up or like, it just kills you. Like it, it's creepy and it's hands wrap around your face. And which this is set up for a V you can do this in VR. Fuck that. No (laughs) way. It is scary enough on my computer. I am not doing that in VR. That's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not absolutely not i couldn't even handle resident evil on the television screen so i i don't know man (laughs) well i mean this is this is like jaws level scary because there's a long time where nothing happens but you're running through that house like like crazy because the first thing you have to do is you have to identify what type of of ghost it is and you do that because every ghost has three different like traits. And so you've got different things that'll measure different traits to see what it is. So the way we were doing is we would go in and we'd do a sweep of the house to find out what room it was haunting, but they move. So it could, it could, it could leave that you could be doing all this work in one room and it's gone already. Um, And then you've got like five minutes at the very beginning of each session where nothing's going to happen to you. So you go through and you do all this stuff really, really quick and try and get it all done before the hunting can start. And then you basically have to poke at it and piss it off so that you can get readings. You can get it talking to you or moving stuff around the house. And then, you know, I'm wearing headphones. You'll, you'll all of a sudden, Something will come up behind you and go, and you're like, like you jump out of your skin because it's like right there, or, or the or the ghost will visually flicker in front of your character, and it's just, you're like, it's the freakiest thing, and it's it, like it is so much fun because I am somebody who I, I have to get back to scary movies because it's been so long. My, my tolerance has gone down, but I used to love to watch scary movies. I love to go through haunted mazes around Halloween. I love this kind of stuff. So yeah. I love this game, but <laughs> like my, my brother and I don't have always the same schedule. I know I do a lot of stuff in the evening with Matt and that's when his daughter's asleep. So, you know, he, he's got more time to play in the evening. I've got more time to play during the day mm-hmm. and, and he'll go, I'm going to, try and go in and play on my own and get some money so that we can buy more stuff and i'll be like all right good luck to you and then, um and then i'll get a nope nope <laughs> can't do it nope done and i did the same thing i was like i can i can do one small house it shouldn't be that hard and then like i don't even know if the five minute timer was up yet i was like nope 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 can't do it not doing it sorry <laughs> i'm not going to this alone <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so I I know Kelly Hightower is is uh, just got the game and she's gonna play with me a little bit in the coming uh, in the coming weeks. And so if you guys have this game or like this game, we'll have to try and set up some sort of of time to like cycle through listeners because I will totally play this guys w- with you. I I think it's it's such a fun game and it's the most entertaining part of it is just everybody's reaction, like because you're just run- running around jump scaring yourself all over the place. It's great. Mm. 
man, that sounds like fun and also no thanks, but <laughs> I might, I might end up checking it out actually. Well, I mentioned it on, on, on Slack and everybody was like, no, no, no way. <laughs> Not going to happen. And I'm like, oh, um, but I get it. I totally get it. It's scary is not for everybody. But yeah, if you guys want to join us, uh, let me know. We'll figure out a time to do it. I may even get Matt involved, although he, he I don't think will last long because he doesn't like scary anything. So, um, you know, he may play a round or two, but yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. So shall we uh, hit the commercial break and come back for Falcon Winter Soldier? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be right back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games! Star Wars! Comics! Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. All right, we're back, and so we're covering, and spoiler alert, we're covering episodes three and four of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, first thoughts, Ray? Anything you want to start off with? Uh, I think that it gets better with every episode, mm-hmm. and the so far, the last episode that we've watched, episode four, is my favorite of the series so far. I would, I would definitely agree with that. There are still some ways that I think it's falling short, but I'm hoping that you know, I feel differently about that by the time the show ends. Now you felt that the last time we, we covered the, when we covered episodes one or two, do you feel like some of your concerns have been addressed in these last two episodes? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although maybe some of those things were addressed by Nando in one of his excellent videos <laughs> <laughs> where he talks about, you know, a, a missing storyline that was planned for, for, for this series uh, being that there was going to be a pandemic happening and how that has probably, you know, was edited out of the show after the fact and sort of patched together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that explains a lot of the shitty politics that, <laughs> that are supposedly driving, you know, some of the antagonists in the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I feel like that actually went a long way towards sort of, you know, allowing a little more enjoyment for you of like, Oh, that's why, none of their fucking motivations made any sense. Like one world, one people, and let's kill everyone to get there. Like what? Like, you know, it it makes a little more sense now. Although I still feel like having Carly blow up a building of people, just that was so out of left field. Like what? Like all of a sudden they have to have her do murder in order to stop people from empathizing with her goals too much. Well, I feel, I feel like they're, I feel like they're trying to show extreme ideologies on all fronts, which is fine, but like, get us there. Like everything that she said up to this point is completely reasonable. And then even, even the guy on her team is like, what the fuck? Why did you just do that? And she's like, it's all they understand. It's like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? Like you just stole a bunch of vaccines. You know? 
Okay. So, but we, we do, we like, so we were confused last episode as to whether the flag smashers were helping the people who had come back after the blip or, you know, what the, what the situation was. So they are, right. they, they are helping the people who came back from the blip because those are all the people who are displaced and marginalized and poor with no place to go. But they also want it to be like it was before because what it was like before was there were no borders. There was – everybody was working together to try and help each other. And then once everybody came back, they automatically went, all right, let's get everything back to normal. And you know, boundaries were redrawn. Sokovia is gone now because it's been absorbed by neighboring countries, one of which may or may not be Latveria. Yeah, I disagree with a little bit of what you just said. What's that? Or my understanding is different. Okay. The, the flag smashers are fighting for people that suddenly had more access to resources once the snap happened and half the world was gone. That, yeah. that the, the world came together, borders kind of stopped being so important because people were, the world was so traumatized by what had just happened that there was a sense of unification that people were working together people were helping each other there was resources for everyone that was left and that was a good thing and then when the blip happened and half the world came back those people that were previously marginalized and then and then during those five years were actually you know saw a, a um a a life um uh, an improvement in their quality of life are now back to being sidelined because organizations like the global repatriation council are prioritizing the people that came back, meaning the people that were already privileged before they got snapped away, blipped back. And now they're back to take that, take hold of that privilege again. And, and the, and uh, Carly's people were marginalized or re-marginalized, marginalized once again. Okay, I think we're I think we're actually both right. I think I think you're right. Like they're like the, the, <laughs> But I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just don't think I'm I don't think I'm clear I don't think I'm clearly stating what I'm I'm saying. Um yes, that is the problem, but she's not just like she's not fighting for just the people who were there before the marginalized people before people came back. I think she is just fighting for them. No, because all the because the 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 people who it's not like all the people who came back are being prioritized. It's just the people who were already privileged before they they came back. Right. That yeah. So so it's like going back to every way everything was mm-hmm. is is causing the those people who had things more evened out again. Yeah, to to go back to where they were, which was you know underprivileged, kind of the the dregs of society by by everybody else's standards. But now there's a lot more of them because only certain people are being, and we've seen that with with like Sam. We've seen that with um, that guy who said, "Oh, they're sending." They said they're going to send teachers, but they don't. Like it's it's only a small select few of the people who came back. Yeah. that are getting repatriated. Everybody else is right. still stuck in the in the slums. And so do they explicitly state that at some point that I missed? 
Um, no, but they say, well, I mean, she says a lot of like, cause they talk about all the refugees and a lot of those refugees are people who came back in the blip from the blip yeah. and, and had no place to go because they're not being, they're not important enough to have been reabsorbed into society. Okay. Cause I guess, and maybe, cause I feel like what has been explicitly stated in the show is she wants they the flagmasters want things to go back the way they were before the blip. Right, but what she wants is she wants no borders where everybody is sharing resources and everything is um everybody working together kind of a more right. a more even field for everybody and what's happening is it's just going back to the way it was but at a more extreme level because it's it's the it's the whole it's the whole poverty gap ex- Expanding that we've, you know, that you've seen in politics recently. Well, not even recently for for a while now, where the rich are just getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, and there are a lot right. more poor people. And so, yeah. yeah, so that's that's what you know. She is not just fighting for the people who were here pre-return. Okay, she's she's fighting for the now increased number of people who are um, thrown away by society because they are quote unquote, not important enough to have been reintegrated into society to society. I hope, they, I hope they state that explicitly at some point. Cause that's not what I'm getting. I, I, it, but I hope they, cause it, that, that makes it seem more like it's less about the blip and more about the already pre existing inequality in the world. But I don't, I don't get from the show that Carly is, is out there fighting for just, you know the 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 marginalized people of the world in general. You know, for all time that have been existed that have existed or anything like that. It seemed like her, you know, specific group of flag smashers was more about, uh, or or they they tried to connect it to the events of uh, Endgame. Yeah, because because the the fact like because she's she's helping out a lot of refugees and those refugees are people who have returned back from the blip. But, but there they was have- refugees before the snap. So was she is she not? You know what I mean? Like, wh- where was that? Like, where wh- where is that injustice being addressed? The, simultaneously, because because when the blip happened, those her her people, you know the 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 refugees that were there before the blip, the people who were underrepresented and marginalized before the blip had a place in society and they became more integral to everybody else. They were not refugees. They weren't refugees anymore. And then, and, and it it kind of proved that, yeah, things weren't great, but with all those resources kind of redistributed Mm. and, and the need for those people to be in society, they, they, everything kind of evened itself out. And then when everybody came back, it was only the privileged who were already privileged before the blip that got to kind of keep that privilege and start getting repatriated back into society. Everybody else, it's like it's not that there are, it's not that they just went down to back to where they were, but now they went back to where they were with a whole lot of other people who society can't bother to reintegrate. Okay, so I found an, an article from comicbook.com that was posted yesterday where Aaron Kellyman, who plays Carly, um, uh, explains the Flag Smasher's motivation. She says, the people, the people who remained 
kind of came together and supported each other a lot more because of the traumatic event, half of the population disappearing. And the borders were open and people came together and there was more unity, the actor tells the website. That's what she's trying to replicate. That's what she's trying to replicate again, but with Mm -hmm. everybody this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to Calumet, Walker uh, is the one standing in the way of her and her team obtaining their goals. She thinks that she's, this is a, a Calumet speaking again. She thinks that she's fighting for the people that go unheard and unseen, the displaced people. So she's against what he or U.S. agent is fighting for, she says. But also, he's not her main focus. She has bigger priorities. And I think the main one is making sure that everybody has been affected by the blip is safe and in warm places and have medical supplies and food to eat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I mean, it makes it the whole, I, I think this episode more than any have really brought into question the, I, I'm, I'm stating the obvious here, so I apologize, but just for our narrative, um, really brought into light the fact that America as a symbol is not necessarily the shining glowing symbol <laughs> that everybody wants to make it out to be. Yeah, and I think uh, I applaud the show for for kind of engaging in those themes. But part of me also feels like about fucking time. Like they, you know, the the people who created this show explicitly stated, you know, before it started, hey, this show is going to deal and engage with racism and with America's legacy and the true face of this country and blah blah. blah. Like they actually said those things, and you know, up until really episode four, it just felt like where. Like, where is that? Like you said, please don't make it. And, you know, episode four is is good in that regard. Uh, But I I really hope that they bring it home. I really hope that they can, you know, and and that's not to say that, oh, then they should just not bring it up at all. Then I don't, I don't believe that either where it's like, oh, just stay away completely. And that's better. No, no. Like I can, I can be happy that they're engaging with these themes and still want more you know, from, from the level of engagement or whatnot. Right. Well, if you're going to, if you're going to bring up these themes, you, you got to follow through. Cause if they don't follow through, I think that's kind of irresponsible. Right. But it's better to bring them up and maybe not handle them the best than to not bring them up at all. Agreed. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and this kind of leads me to my other like main gripe so far is that the show's called the Falcon and the winter soldier. And so far it seems more like it's Zemo and the winter soldier. And it's it's like Zemo is getting a lot of hype, and the and so far this is the story of Bucky. I don't really feel like Sam is is being given the proper spotlight in this show yet. Um, I think I, I feel like that is done on purpose because you know, the, like a big part of this episode was him talking to Kylie, Ky- Kylie or Carly, Kylie, Carly, Carly, Carly. But her uh, real name is Aaron Kellyman, which is confusing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. in the show, the character's named Carly. Carly. Um, because I think the original Flag Smasher's name was Carl. Um, right, right. So Carly. Um, him talking to her, I think, is the whole, like, you see him kind of agreeing with her, but still being part of the old system and still trying to fit into the old system. And I think the whole, just like, just like Cap had to realize that, and this is why our conversation about Cap from before is so perfect for this, is Falcon needs to, or, or um, Sam needs to figure out that, you know, 
this ideal is not necessarily he's, he knows it, but he's got to really kind of realize that this ideal is not plausible the way they're trying to make it plausible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did have a note that I'm looking for right now at the end of episode four, I said, um, Oh, I can't find it. But basically the, the idea that I had, Oh, uh, just that Sam, Sam is sort of maybe showing us what he's not right. Like we're seeing what, what Walker thinks the, you know, the, the mantle of Captain America means we're hearing a lot about what Bucky thinks Captain America should be. Mm-hmm. And we're hearing Carly talk about how that shit don't matter to me. Right. right like right. that, that part of the world doesn't, you know, doesn't really care about my part of the world. So why should I care about its mascot? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like Sam, I get what you're saying. Like in his absence thus far, he's kind of proving a point. But I just, it just doesn't feel like we're getting enough of that. Like, well, I, th- uh, I think we're waiting for him to make that realization of he, he has to, yes, he has to act. He has to, he has to stop trying to toe the line, and he has to make a decision. And and if if it's true, what people are saying that this is the story of Sam stepping into and and coming, you know, accepting the role as Captain America. I hope that's what we're seeing. And no. I don't think, and I don't think he will become a Captain America by the end of this. I think they will. I think they will hide the shield. I think the shield will disappear. Man, we we you know unless it's it's cut it's uh, um, unless it's footage that's on the cutting room floor somewhere. We do see we have been watching clips and all the trailers of Sam practicing throwing the shield. Oh, I'm not saying he's not going to use the shield. I think I think he's definitely going to use the shield. I think he's going to realize that the shield is a symbol that the world does not need right now. I because hope that's not the case. You hope that's not the case? No, nah, man. I hope he gets to be fucking Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> like he deserves to be Captain America. Like I hope that um you know, it seems like Steve was a symbol for what America wanted to be at a certain point. Uh, and I think that he served, you know, be, because he was, and, and again, shout out, like you said, shout out to the, the article that Chelsea uh, shared on Slack uh, because uh, this kind of reinforces that. But I think Captain America, you know, Steve was out, a man out of time. Mm-hmm. And so if he had just stayed being Captain America in the forties, I don't think he would have had the impact as a symbol as he had being kind of, you know, time traveled 70 years into the future. Right. Right. And so he was able to sort of be a reminder of what the country wanted to be or wanted to see itself as at a time where supposedly things were more black and white, but I still don't buy that shit either. No, Um, no. You know, and so with Walker now trying to be Captain America, it's like, do you realize what the fuck you're you're representing? Like, it's not going to work out, and we're seeing that, right? Right. Well, and I think but, that's that's one of the biggest things that that stood out for me in this episode is is it really very? I mean, um, uh, for for reasons of my own, I was looking at um, the global soft power index. Do you know what that is for for politics? It's like the the diplomatic power that countries hold, and there's a, oh, okay. a there's a system that they use to rank 
you know, mm-hmm. politi- political influence. And the U.S. in t- 2019 was like two or three, and by 2021 had dropped to six. Um, just because. You and know, in the fifties, it was like, or sixties, it was like one. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think that this, that, that last image of John Walker in the shield and everybody looking at them is just like, for me as, as, an, as a U.S. citizen sitting there looking at going, yeah, that's, that's, that's the image that people have of us worldwide. Like that is a very realistic image of the U S in other countries, especially right now. The reason why I'm hoping that Sam is given the platform to fully embrace, embrace the shield and the role of captain America by the end of the show Mm -hmm. is because I think that Sam as captain America can serve as sort of like the conscience, like the, the call out of saying you're, the, you know, America is not at all what it wants to be or says it is. And my very presence is, is a symbol of that, of that fact. That's okay. what I'm, ho- that's what I'm hoping gets to happen with the symbol or the role of Captain America going forward. Cause I just, I, I feel like, and I, I, I think that, I mean, I have nothing against, I would love to see Sam as Captain America. I just feel the way they are, um, framing the symbolism of that shield. It's like, at what point does that shield, like, does that symbol become tarnished and not valid anymore? You know what I mean? Right, right. But that's why Captain America became Nomad. That's why Steve became Nomad. Right, right. So, yeah, I just think that the shield needs to evolve as opposed to this is an opportunity for the shield to evolve as opposed to be hidden away or discarded. That's fair. That's fair. It'll be very interesting to see which direction they go. It really. Yeah, will. but I'm liking it. I mean, I was totally hyped by episode three episode. I mean, episode four. Episode three was good, too. Yeah. Um, And I have a bunch of stuff to say about that. I don't know if you have anything to say. Well, about. What, what is going on with Sharon Carter? Like that's the part I don't understand. I like she feels so completely out of <laughs> out of sync with the Sharon Carter we've seen in previous movies that I'm just like I don't I like yeah. Shit has I, happened to this woman. Well, shit has happened to this woman though because she was never pardoned for helping her part in Civil War and helping Cap and and helping uh Sam. So mm-hmm. she's bitter mm-hmm. as fuck and I don't blame her for it. No, I don't either, but it's just it feels like it's such a it's such a 180. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, you know, one of another one of Nando's great videos is about how he has a theory that at some point in the script for um, for Civil War, Sharon Carter was a double agent actually assisting Zemo. Oh. Have you seen that video? I have not. Holy shit. It's great. It's headcanon and for me. And where, where is it? Which one is this? This is it's 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 the missing villain or something like that. Like like a uh Civil War's missing villain or some shit like that. But it's it's basically his theory is that at some point it looks like maybe there were signs early in the scripting process that Sharon was a double agent working for Zemo uh, and assisting him all along. 
And, and, and just when you think about like, where did Zemo get this? Or how do you get access to that? Or how did he know that these people were there? Why it's convenient that Sharon shows up here and nudges Steve to basically disagree with, you know, with Iron Man in terms of like, sometimes you got to stand your ground and say, no, you move and stuff like this. So, uh, uh, and, and like, that's a, <laughs> that's a slow rollout if that's where this is going. Cause that's kind of awesome. Yes, if that's where this is going, that's amazing. I don't think it is, but again, that that video is damn near headcanon for me now. So maybe that's why this 180 for Sharon doesn't feel like such a 180 for me. I'm like, yeah, she got some darkness in her, you know? Mm-hmm, <laughs> there, mm-hmm. there was something there during Civil War. Yeah, highly recommend that video. It is excellent. And it would have been such a cool way for the story to go. I can understand them not wanting to do that. But in the, I don't know if this happens in the comics. I don't know. I know Sharon Carter ends up being somebody but someone said what if they're setting up her setting her up to be not um the power broker but maybe um oh where is it Sharon maybe Madam Viper who runs Madripoor but isn't Madam Viper a um isn't she Hydra oh is she I thought she was like a an X-Men Maybe it's the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's, 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 um, Ma- Madam Hydra is the head, or Madam Viper, I think is, oh, Viper or Madam Viper? Are they the same character? That's the question. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, she, wait, it says Madam Viper. It says, uh, I think it's the same thing. Hydra. Yeah, Viper is Madam Hydra. Ophelia Sar- Sarkissian, better known as Madam Viper, Madam Hydra, or just Viper, is an antagonist from the Marvel Comics, one of the leaders of the terrorist organization known as Hydra. She's an enemy of Captain America, the X-Men, Spider-Woman, and the Avengers. Mm-hmm. So I just saw that comment, and I thought that would be cool if they're doing something more with Sharon Carter, and she's going somewhere. I hope that is the case. Be interesting. She has, I mean, Sharon Carter has such a huge long history in the Captain America franchise. It'll be interesting to see if they stay true to that. Or, I mean, I don't, I know very little about it. I have to go back and, and read a little bit about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you, though. That, that, that little comment to her driver at the end there was like, we've got a couple of problems now. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, wait, who is she working for? What's going on there? Well, a lot of people think she's working for the power broker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she is not the power broker. <laughs> People are like, she's the power gro- bro- broker. No, she's Mephisto. Um, <laughs> I think she's just working for the power broker. It says she briefly helped form and lead Shield's so-called Fem Force, all-woman squad of commandos. Mm-hmm. Um, she supposedly died in the comics, but then didn't. Of course. Well, that's the <laughs> that's, that's Marvel comics for you. Yeah, of course. Right? Everybody has 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 had that storyline. Um, yeah, she's a big part of the death of Captain America. Uh, she becomes director of Shield at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Whoa, dang. Okay. Yeah, I mean, she was one of the, like she was one of the characters that I remember from when I was like in high school and just starting to read a little bit of Captain America. Like yeah. it was in the nineties, and she they were like she was like in every issue of his comic book. Yeah, you know, by saying earlier that it seems like Zemo and the Winter Soldier instead of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'm not saying I want less Zemo. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm saying I want more Sam because Zemo yeah. is great so far. Zemo, <laughs> that dancing that has hit the internet. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I I just love how he's not. I could. They could have made Zemo so mustachy twirling. Um, you know, wahaha bad guy. I like mm-hmm. the fact that he's just. He's just a douche. <laughs> and he's rich because he's a he, baron. Yeah, he's just like he's he's got his his reasons for doing things. He's gonna do them. He really doesn't care what other people think, and he's hella smart, so he gets away yeah, with this stuff. He's a little bit of a diva. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone said uh the first um someone said that the first uh in-person Comic Con should have a, a Zemo dance party. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was wondering, uh, you know, what's great is that they're showing that this guy spent years of his life tracking down super soldiers. So he knows where to go and he knows what network to tap into because he has experience with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, because he, you know, tracked down Bucky. Um, Why did he put on the mask, though? That seems so odd to me. Like he has it. And then he puts it on for one scene. He shoots some people, and then he takes it off, and we never see it again. What the fuck was the point of that? I think he does it when he thinks there's a chance of him being like identified on, you know, like video or camera or whatever. Like I think he's trying to kind of conceal his identity to a point. Hmm. Okay. What What was it? They were like in a shipyard. Who would like? How would he be caught on camera there? I don't. I don't know. That just seemed well. Such, I mean, it's an just- odd choice. I would agree. I would agree. I think it's, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It just seems like such an unceremonious, you know, time or or, or way of of seeing him in the, in the Zemo mask for the first time. Well, and, and do we, we kind of see him, we never see him like a shot of him in the mask very much. Like it's usually just, we, we see him put it on and then, you know, people die and then he doesn't have it on anymore. Yeah. Like he should be embracing some kind of, deeper villainous role or there should be some kind of character change that you know what i mean something mm-hmm. well i feel like there's i feel like there that's that's too much of a specific decision not to pay off somewhere down the line yeah there's a reason yeah. why that's happening that way how did you feel as a huge x-men fan how did you feel about the introduction of madripoor um i've honestly disliked most of the stuff that's ever happened in madripoor <laughs> <laughs> No kidding. I find it exceedingly boring because it's usually no all it's usually all either ninja stuff or it is <laughs> I mean that really is it's either it's either Wolverine ninja stuff which has never How been my favorite Wolverine. Dare you? Sir. <laughs> How dare you? Well, okay, so here's the question for for you, ninjas or or pirates? Oh, that's not even a question. Okay, go for it. It's easily ninjas all the way. And Pirates. See, and see, what? that's 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 where that's where you and I differ, and that's okay. <laughs> I, I I guess pirates do have more of a flair. I'll give you. That. They definitely do. They definitely do. For for me, it's pirates all the way. Um, okay. <laughs> so 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 the so you know so the ninja stuff doesn't do much for me. I can see if somebody was team ninja, they would be very much for it, and that's fine. But yeah, I, I don't. don't I also don't know if I appreciate the the dichotomy implied between ninjas or pirates. When did that become an either or situation? There? Oh, that's been an either or situation for years. Ninja versus Shut pirates. Up. You didn't know that really? that's like an internet debate. 
<laughs> I thought it, no, I thought it was like uh, I don't know. There are other options there. No, oh yeah, no, no, it's, right. Ninjas it's are ninja, pirates. Ninjas versus pirates is like Star Wars versus Star Trek. Like it is that <laughs> is that polarizing. How did I not know this? Okay, okay, kudos. <laughs> <laughs> so see, even if a pro ninja person versus a pro pirate pirate person can be friends, like world <laughs> world, world peace should not be that hard. God, I'm, I just want to now stop my brain from thinking about all the ways in which that is true. I'm a ninja and you're a pirate. So that could go so deep into a rabbit hole. Possible possible future episode. Oh, God. All right. All right. So so then Madripoor from the comics was never really your thing. No, it was never. But it sounds like it was definitely for you. So how did you feel about the representation? I was super psyched. Are you kidding? Like, great. They're expanding the worlds and lands of of the MCU. I'm always up for that. And I have to admit, have to admit that, uh, f- forgot for a second there that Latvia is an actual place because <laughs> I, uh, I'm embarrassed to say, I, I really thought they were going to Dr. Doom's world, uh, country. And then someone said Latveria and I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Latvia. Like Latveria <laughs> is the place that I was thinking of. Yes. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, in, in all, you know, I, I thought, I don't know the whole, we're going to Madripoor and you got to be this person, you got to be that person. And, you know, uh, okay. Like it, it felt like a means to an end and I was ready for it to get to the end. Um, Sharon shows up, you know, they introduced Dr. Nagel, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. I did think it was interesting how Bucky had to pretend to still be the winter soldier. Right. That was that seemed like that fucked with his head more than Zemo trying out the the passwords on him. Right. Well, because he, yeah, he's he's trying to put that behind him, but mm-hmm. I think there's still that fear that that's who he actually is. I mean, he even brought that up with if 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 Steve was wrong about Sam, then he was wrong about him. Right. Um, like there's like he's got he got issues. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I thought it. You know, we know there's going to be blowback from that because. Everything on all of these episodes is being recorded on social media. Everything. <laughs> and so there is social media footage of him kicking ass in Madripoor that is going to break his parole. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Did they show people recording with their phones while he they, was doing that? They did. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Um, uh, new rock stars. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how easily he just went fucking evil again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that was a little too easy for him to just go, okay, yeah, I get to kick ass, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Dr. Nagel at first, I was kind of a little bit annoyed. I was like, wait, the whole thing this this far, you know, the reason we have the Hulk and the Abomination and all this shit is because the Super Soldier Serum is, like, so hard to replicate and it's not, you know, they can't do it. Um, and then, you know, Nagel is introduced and I'm like, oh, that seems kind of like do sex machina kind of, you know, but, but then he's gone. So <laughs> I'm like, okay. So they created this, you know, th- this cachet of serum, like this is all we have and we can't make more. And even that's not perfect. I mean, he says that he made it better because basically we're getting all the strength, but not the bulky muscles and shit. Right. Mm-hmm. So they look right. like normal people, right. but you know, they have all the abilities, uh, but they still don't have quite the level of ability that say like Steve Rogers has. Um, now I've got then- to, I'm just going to stop you real quick. I I would be I would I would feel I would feel very let down 
if I took the super soldier serum and I did not have the body of an underwear model. Like I would be very upset uh, by this. That's great. Th- this would be something that I would struggle with. Bait and switch. What's going on? <laughs> it's like, hey, c- come on, man. <laughs> Everything but the metabolism. <laughs> Um, so yeah. And then, you know, in the very next episode, the serum is all but gone. Yeah. So I said, okay, that was a a quick, you know, kind of plot device that I'm glad it didn't become like a bigger thing. It's going to lead to bigger things, but that itself didn't like Dr. Nagel is not being whisked away by different organizations to keep doing this shit. So cool. Well, because they have to have a way for them to create other failed experiments so we get other supervillains down the line. I mean, doesn't in the comic books, doesn't the super soldier program become the weapon X program? Um, I don't know. Or weapon plus. Sure. I think they all are kind of, there's a lot of um, incestual overlap with the programs, but I don't know that one directly leads into the other. But I mean, when you when you come down to it, like everybody in like if you need a reason for somebody to exist in the Marvel universe, there there's a super soldier serum. Like Black Widow has it in the comics, um, uh, you know, a, a diluted version of it. Like they always say, oh, you know, it's just a little bit of serum. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's always there's always a reason for the serum to come up again. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Okay. Um. So yeah, uh, I I love how they really start to get into with episode three, and then they really it becomes a major you know uh, point of episode four about how putting anyone on a pedestal or idolizing anyone is very very bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never ends well. Because well, you, you, you put all your you put all your you're putting your thoughts on what that person should be onto them. It's not what they actually are. It's interesting that Zemo's the one who keeps bringing that up too. Zemo's a very proud. Like I, I, I appreciate their characterization of Zemo. He's very different than the Zemo in the comics. I mean, I really thought he was going to take that vial of serum. See, I, I'm waiting for him, but he's just so opposed to super soldiers that you know that whole becoming what you don't, becoming what you hate. Thread could definitely be there, but I don't think he's going to go there. I think I think it's better for him to be a Batman character because he really is evil Batman at this point. Oh, that's good. I like that. Um, yeah, I I was that to. I really was surprised when he started stomping out those vials. I, I really was not expecting that. Like, wow, talk about commitment there. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. I had no, I was not prepared for how the little cameo at the very end of episode three was going to set up all the badassery that we got in episode four. Which cameo are you talking about? I'm talking about Ayo of the Dora Milaje. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just thought, I really thought that was all we were going to get. Like, hey, we're here in the background somewhere. I would not have been surprised if we never saw the Dormelage again or or anything Wakanda again after that. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really cool that they threw that in there. And then holy shit, episode four happened. I, I just like the, the that fight scene. That fight scene. Say it again amazing. for the that people in the back. Fight scene was amazing, <laughs> um, and like if you go back and and watch um, 
the like the the recaps of that and how they kind of break it down about how just John John Walker gets his ass handed to him by oh my god by by black women who are not super soldiers like, no it, like it, it like it like kicks his ass on all levels yes and like humiliates him in some in some ways yeah because i mean like he doesn't even have a chance like he doesn't even get a chance to breathe in most of those action sequences like he like they just they pummel him yes exactly he's he he there's never a moment where he even looks like he's about to hold his own (laughs) no not at all and they work together so there's that team like they show the epicness of where she uh she throws her spear to the other person and takes that other um Dorlamage's spear out of the thing and just uses it as herself. Like it doesn't matter. They just kind of like we're working together. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to negotiate it. There's no power struggle here. We're just doing our thing. Yeah. <laughs> you need a spear? Here's your spear. I'll take this one. It's fine. Yeah. Um. I also love when um. What is? I know Io is one of the Dormalage. What's the name of the other one in that scene? Do you remember? Is she? Is she named? Oh, I don't know if she is. I don't think she's named. Uh, when she stands over uh, um, Walker with the shield, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, that's their vibranium. Mm-hmm. That was stolen from their country. Yeah. That <laughs> that was really, I felt really intentional and uh, really powerful. Yeah, I, I think I think the integration of them into this series is such a good choice because it. it I mean, again, it, it brings into that whole idea of different countries, colonialism. Like, there's just so many levels here that are all kind of working together. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Wait, I'm I'm like researching and reading while you're talking too. Uh, <laughs> try, try not to lose my spot in the conversation, but also checking to see if they actually named that that other uh, member of the of the Malaje, and I don't see it. No, I think you're right. I yeah, I don't think they named her. Um, I I want to read something real quick out of Wikipedia. I know as a former English teacher, using Wikipedia for research is <laughs> horrible, but at the same time for comic book stuff, it's kind of awesome. Um, so this is the U S agent, um, write up in Wikipedia under publication history. The character of John Walker was first introduced as a, the supervillain super Patriot in captain America 323 in November, 1986. Mark Gruenwald created Walker to counter the general message in captain America of patriotism being invariably good, describing him as someone who embodied patriotism in a way that captain America didn't a patriotic villain. So this, this concept of, of the U S as not necessarily as wholesome as we want to believe that it is, is coming up back in 1986. Like this is not, this is not new. Basically, I just wanted to do the opposite of Steve Rogers. Okay, Steve Rogers is a poor northern urban boy, so I'll make a guy from rural middle class south. Cap is so uh, is now old, so this guy will be a real young up and comer. Cap has lofty ideas, so I'll make Super Patriot be more realistic and more pragmatic. So I put together his background and character traits by playing the opposite game. 
Um, then it goes on to say that this character is the second Super Patriot character. Uh, I'm moving that on. That's not what I need to talk to you about. Uh, after a return appearance in Captain America number 327, Grunwald reintroduced the character as the new Captain America in Captain America 333, though Grunwald said he would not have done this if it had not been a logical development from the preceding storylines. He had also openly acknowledged that the motivating reason for replacing Steve Rogers as Captain America was to boost sales. With And then... This is like a, a quote. With Iron Man, for example, we had James Rhodes take the lead character's place, and we did it for two years, which I'm sure was about a year and a half longer than anybody thought we would do it. In Thor, we had Ray, Beta Ray Bill take Thor's place for two or three issues. So this is the sort of thing that has been done to shake up people before. You know, I'm responsible for it in Iron Man, and I was the editor of Thor at the time of Beta Ray Bill. And believe me, it's a trick I know works because I've seen it work a number of times. It's just to get you noticed so that people who don't normally read it say, oh, I heard something about this. Let me read it and see. And the luck, um, and with luck, folks will get hooked on the storyline. So that's why this, this storyline came about. But the reaction is what I want to talk about. In having Steve Rogers quit as Captain America and John Walker take over the role, Gruenwald stated that he was hoping to better define what Captain America, the concept, is by seeing someone groping, trying to live up to it, trying to grasp all the facets of the concept. Walker soon developed a following of his own, with Grunewald admitting that his best-selling cover of the comic was 321, which had an image of Captain America shooting a firearm, and that this resulted in many fans wanting him to Rambo-eyes Cap and make him more Punisher or Wolverine-like. Grunewald considered this a violation of the character's principles, so decided that he would give the fans what they wanted, but that it couldn't be Steve Re- uh, Rogers. Walker's popularity as a character continued to grow, with Grunewald stating that he had letters from readers saying they didn't want Steve Rogers to ever return as they saw Walker, regardless of his faults, as more viable, younger, and more interesting because they didn't know what he would do next. Wow. I, I read that and I was just like, that makes me not happy. Yeah. <laughs> makes me not happy. Um, and, and then um, uh, to, to compliment, this is, I'm, I'm kind of moving into people's reactions to the series. So that's, that's the reaction to, to, to John Walker in the late eighties. Let's, let's switch over to the reaction to some people to John, um, Walker in 2021, where they are sending death threats to Wyatt, Wyatt Russell for playing John Walker and besmirching the name of Captain America. <laughs> I realize they're two different things, but both of these are extreme fan reactions that are just a little disturbing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, shades of, you know, the cops and the Punisher. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what no what do you uh in a in a in a sick way it's like perfectly appropriate right yeah like, uh, oh, you're, unfortunately you're it, appropriate you're saying it out loud again you're telling on yourselves mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah well uh, to me you know all the more reason that that fight scene that we're both going on about is so powerful Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I love the way that they're evolving the characters uses of their weapons as well. Mm-hmm. Not just with the Dora Milaje and their spears and, and their fighting styles with Sam, with the wings, he's, he's 
the, we're showing more inventive and, and progressive uses of their abilities. And it's as a fan who's, who's, you know, seen these characters in multiple movies at this point, it's so, it's such a cool payoff. Yeah. Have you ever just gone onto YouTube and watched like all of so-and-so's use of their powers? Like, have you seen those videos? No. Oh, they're great, Ray. What? Like, oh like my you God. Can, like you can, you can sit there and just watch every action sequence with Hawkeye. Or oh my, I'm sequence. doing that. I'm doing that for, t- absolutely, that's happening. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. Like, you're what? just like, I really feel like seeing a lot of Iron Man kicking ass today. There is a YouTube video of just clips of him kicking ass. That is great. Um, of course, one thing that I was annoyed by, because it's an awesome moment in the fight scene where Ao decides, yo, I could take, or Ayo, sorry, decides, I could take your fucking arm whenever I want. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, smack, 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 and it just falls off. Dude, that's my appendage. That ain't yours. That's mine. We gave that to you. We could take it back. And there was, there was, uh, you know, Bucky is a very popular character and, and people love, you know, that, that character. And, uh, there were people defending him and standing up for him and saying he didn't deserve that. And that was out of line. And that was a terrible thing to do about, and, ah, just like, what? (laughs) But but see, I can understand. I can understand somebody who has prosthetics in, in real life that would have them, that would, that would play a lot differently to them and feel, I think a lot more like a violation than it would to us. Joe, I wish that that's what I was talking about. <laughs> so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking that's about not just, what you're talking about. I'm talking about just, no, just people that love Bucky saying he, he should have won that fight or he should have, you know, basically oh, no. they, they want their character to be the most badass and to just, Come out on top in every situation. Do people not understand that some of the badassery of characters is watching them struggle a little bit? Like, is this not right. part of society anymore? Like, I don't understand people. It's like this, this is the amalgam universe where they had to have extra issues to make sure that each character got a win. Or where they voted, and that's how you get like Jubilee right. kicking Robin's ass and and like they were so they right. were so off on something. There, yeah. There are literally people coming back saying, "Hey, he seemed to deal with it okay. Like, why are you more like why are you more upset about it than he was in the actual show? It's fine. It was a great moment. I thought it was uh, a great moment because it is it is very much explaining. Hey, you know, we gave this to you. We could take this away. Don't forget you who you are. And more importantly, don't forget who we are. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Um, just everything Wakanda is just badass in the MCU, and I love it." Yeah, it really is. Uh, so in episode four, also, as I said before, we, we really see Zemo harp on the idea that just the concept of super soldiers in themselves are inherently supre- supremacist, which I thought was great, a great mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really, you know, Sam, Sam, the the counselor comes out finally because we know that he like has this history and this experience uh, which oddly makes him like the perfect foil for uh, Walker and and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, because definitely we see shades of like, you know, where Walker's trauma is also playing into his his turn, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Carly and Sam's conversation, which which you mentioned earlier, I thought was really great. And I was so annoyed 
by Walker, like busting in on that. Like we knew he was going to do that. Right. Right. But, it, but, it's, but that annoyance is exactly what they were going for because you, uh, you want uh, that moment. Like at this point, if you, if you are, are rooting for John Walker in any other way than for him to get his ass whooped, um, I'm, I'm concerned. Like he is meant to be, um, he's meant to be that guy that shows up to the party and everybody rolls his eyes. Mm. Like everybody rolls their eyes because this guy just showed up and we know that the party is no longer fun because he thinks he's God's gift, (laughs) which, you know, is, (laughs) is not, again, it is not unlike the way we are seen by a lot of people right now. And, Mm. and for a while, I would argue. Mm. Uh, I have some notes here that says Wyatt Russell is perfectly cast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just he's, he's, no pun intended. He's murdering this role. Like he yeah, really yeah. is doing a great job. Have you seen any of the the clips where they point out all of his different twitches? <laughs> no, are you serious? No, just like in some of these and some of these um, Easter egg things, they're just like in case you missed it. Like look here, and they'll show you that he he's nuts. Like he is. Oh yeah, he's he a time bomb. And and there's there's these twitches that are just so subtle. Like there's a like there's a, a far away shot where you see his hand twitch, and if you're not looking for it, you don't oh. realize it. But it's happening in every scene, in every shot, he's twitching. Like That's it's very great. yeah, it's very subtle. But he's like the dude is nuts. Wow. Yeah, I I have a note that I made early in episode four where I said he's a time bomb, mm-hmm. and then yeah, by the end of the episode, we see that. Um, what's his first name? In the in the character's first name, John Walker. John Walker. Okay, I'm looking. I'm literally googling googling John Walker Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> See if anything comes up. Uh, that's amazing because uh, there's just certain scenes where you just see your whoa, like this guy is unhinged. Yeah, there's the there's they they pointed out the fact that is is it new rock stars is that the place that we keep going for for a lot of these videos? Yeah, that's one of them. I know since you watch that one, you tend to gravitate towards them right away. I try to watch other videos just so that I'm also bringing like different information than you are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah new new rock stars is a good one. Sometimes I will watch Nerdist. I watch E Man, but his are long. His yeah. are like forty five minutes, and I just haven't had time to to. Do, I, at some point, I'm going to go back and watch all of his Wandavision stuff. I'm going to go back and watch all of his. Um, Falcon Winter Soldier stuff. Um, it's so good. Yeah. He does the really deep dive. Yeah, which is cool. And I really appreciate it. I just <laughs> I, I had an hour before the episode today. <laughs> that's, that's the time <laughs> I had allowed. Uh, so I got, we got two, two rock star uh, episodes in. But yeah, he talks about like all the twitches, all the fat, the number of times that he like holds his um, the, the bridge of his nose because he's got like a migraine. Oh, and, shit. And the fact that his ear is bleeding when he goes after Nico. Yeah. Yeah. God, I haven't picked up on any of that. That's great though. Cause it all adds to the performance, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the, and, uh, and the fact that he becomes less and less shaven as the, (laughs) as the show goes on, like he starts all clean cut. And by the, by the time he kills Nico, he is like all like, like weeks, weeks worth of scruff going on. Um, yeah, it made me wonder if Walker has been really chasing the serum this entire time. Mm-hmm. 
Like at, at a certain point, it just seems like, oh, like, okay, why is he so intent on the, like, is this just the mission that he was given or is there something more? And as, you know, him and Lamar have that conversation about, would you take the serum? Would you not? Uh, and there's such a different conversation than, than Sam had with Carly. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> They're like, hell yeah, we would take it. Are you kidding? Like, without hesitation. Um, it just made me wonder, like, is this he's like, is this really his motivation here? Like, he just wants access to that. And that's why he wants Nagel. That's why he wants Carly. That's why he wants to track down this shipment that they stole. Um, and then of course we see, I love that they don't show him take it either. Right. He just starts wielding that shield and like throwing it, like embedding it into concrete walls and like bending shit. And you're like, Oh fuck. He took it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, now something to, that I will be interesting to see if they, they do is we have to remember that, um, John Walker stops being captain America in the comics and he then becomes us agent. And, um, and for a while as actually part of the West coast Avengers, like he does become more, captain america like uh he always has a little bit of that anger issue Mm -hmm. and he's definitely a lot more violent than cap is Mm. but he you know he he doesn't there there is a redemption story for him in the comics so he's the war machine to iron man he is the war machine to iron man though they very rarely if my understanding is is they don't really they don't really work together. I think they rub each other the wrong way very strongly. I mean, of course. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that would be, I, I'm sure at some point they've maybe somebody has done a, uh, like a um, gritty Avengers team. That's like, instead of cap and Iron Man, it's like U S agent and war machine. Or or what's the what's the what's the Norman Norman Osborn one? Um, Iron Patriot. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one. I've never read that that story. Yeah, neither have I. I just know it's a thing. Right, right. Um, you know, I really uh, while they were having that co- while Walker and Lamar were having that conversation, I thought, oh man, Lamar's gonna die, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And then when he first. So the battle first starts, I thought, oh, I thought that's where, okay, it's not going to, and then, oh my God, mm-hmm. it was fucking brutal. And uh, yeah, how did you feel when you saw it, when you watched that scene? I didn't feel as connected to it as I think I should have. I think mostly because I knew it was coming. Like you just kind of knew, like something, yeah. something had to set him off and that's the most obvious thing to do that. And, you know, I've seen people, I've seen both sides of of this take where somebody that I follow, Kaya, uh, that I follow on on Twitter, said, uh, oh, man, I closed that. Goddamn. I had the the tab open, everyone. Uh, But they posted something about, um, you know, it's kind of cringy that they would kill off a black character to provide 
As, oh, here it is. As much as it makes sense, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier pulling a let's off a black character to further a white character storyline in 2021 is not it to say the least. I li- like, I get we have to have John go full bad guy, but did you really have to murder his best friend like that? He was an asshole already. You could have let Lamar survive. And this show has continued to sideline Sam for Bucky. I love that uh, closeted basket case as much as everyone else talking about Bucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sam has nothing to do. His name is first in the title. He gets to make three jokes per episode, blah, blah, blah. So that, that I agree with that sentiment, and we talked about it already. But in terms of killing off you know, a black character to, to give motivation to a white character, talk about the, the article that you mentioned earlier that Chelsea um, – shared because on slack because they addressed that right they did um i'm opening it up uh it's notable that this this is an article from the hollywood journal oh i'm sorry the hollywood reporter called the falcon winter soldier explores the tragic truth about america um it is written by richard, richard newby and it says it is notable that it's Lamar Hoskins death that serves to reveal the true Walker to the world. Though the character hails from the comics, there is certainly something to be said about the black best friend who serves as emotional support to a white man. Yet there is intentionally intentionality in this trope in the Falcon and the winter soldier. And not only in terms of creating foils for Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes as the black sidekick, Lamar Hoskins represents the thing Sam Wilson is afraid of being seen as, which is why Walker referring to him as caps wingman irks him. Lamar Hoskins being seen as less than Walker while doing just as much work and putting his life on the line just as often is highlighted in the scene in which Walker is asked for an autograph, but Lamar is not. The encounter is played off with a bit of humor and Lamar mentions that it's a shame he isn't asked because he's worked out a battle star insignia to go with his signature. Uh, There's a sadness in this admission surely picked up by only by black viewer picked up on by black viewers, the position of serving the government and still being unwanted. And I am now following Richard Newby on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Battlestar has a thankless job. And if Walker represents the government, then Lamar Hoskins represents how much, how that government uses black people through war as a means to escape poverty and through poverty as a means to enlist, as has been suggested by Sam's entry into the air force. Mm -hmm. Walker's rage in the face of Lamar's death isn't performative, but it will be undoubtedly be used as an excuse to commit further acts of aggression that only serve to empower the people America wants to empower. Mm -hmm. It's a story we've seen time and time again in our own reality, the deaths of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., Fred Hampton, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd serving as pulpits for white voices and leaders who fail to enact real change yet still sell the idea of truth, freedom, and justice under the notion of America's supremacy. As Carly says, these corporations and the beasts who run them, they're the supremacists. Perhaps she's right, but if so, then it seems at best super soldiers are more, most often tools, of, tools for supremacists. Yeah, really, really great writing on this topic. Yeah, there. It's a really good article, and I will definitely attach it to the show notes. Um, I've, I've left it open for the last several days, so I don't forget. And uh, it's a uh, reminder, it's a reminder too, that murder is happening on both sides here. Like, <laughs> you know, we keep saying, hey, Carly, you know, she's an extremist. She's a supremacist. She's murdering people. And it's like, yeah, we've seen a lot of murder in this show so far. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is not a, this is not a, this is not a happy show. This is not, we're not dealing with Ant-Man here. <laughs> like, yeah. this, this is not shits and giggles. This is, 
this is handling a lot of a lot of heavy topics and and I think a it's it's great because I think this is stuff that the world is just afraid to talk about right now. Mm-hmm. And people are trying to say, Hey, we need to talk about this. And there's still a lot of people that are like, Nope, Nope, Nope. Don't need to talk about it. So I think it, it's definitely good that it's putting that out there. We, we have yet to see if they're going to follow through on it, but we're hoping fingers crossed that they will. Um, I'm, I'm happy that they are tackling this and not shying away from it. Yeah, I, you know, I was fully in, like, invested emotionally in that scene where Lamar is killed. But also in my brain, I was thinking, oh, like, this is, (laughs) I could totally understand why this would not go over well with, you know, a a, a segment of viewers. And Mm -hmm. I, and totally, uh, and yet I, I was, I have to admit, like I was invested enough that it just, it landed, I think the way it was meant to land, but I am hopeful, you know, according to the article that we just shared a, a, an excerpt from that it was done with intention and that there is, you know, there is real thought put into what that represents and what that symbolizes for the story and for the characters and, you know, the implications that it has in, in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I I I do see where people are saying that it feels like Sam's being sidelined. I feel like I feel like he's taking a lot in. I feel like he's true. Like you, like even if you look at a lot of his the when when the camera pans to him, there's a lot of just kind of looking. Yes, like, like he has he has a purposeful. I am observing the world. Look. And I do think in the next two episodes, we're when we come back and cover the the finale, I oh. think we're going to say that he turns around and goes, "Okay, I've processed this, and this is what my decision is." Joe, I, I hope think, so. Yeah, I and really I don't, so. I don't think we see enough characters that are sitting there trying to process what they do. And I think that's honestly that's the the complete opposite of what you've got from Walker. Walker right. is just like acting as soon as an impulse hits him, and that's it. Right. Right. And yeah. And so I'm hoping that just like just like we were sitting there going, what what are these first three episodes of WandaVision? I don't see where this is going. Yeah. I, I'm kind of hoping they're doing the same. This is going to be more impactful when it pays off. It's going to feel so satisfying if that happens. And I'll admit, for me anyway, it's going to be very disappointing if it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it is getting better with every episode. Uh, it was heartbreaking that Nico mentions earlier in the episode that he looked up to Cap as a kid. Yeah, yeah, that gut wrenching. <laughs> oh, I was yelling out loud, you know, like just to myself, like, "Oh, oh my god, <laughs> what is happening?" Like, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, I think uh, there's there's videos online of there's a there's a cosplayer that I I follow on TikTok that is just a nice guy, and he posts a, a video of him crying, going, "Oh my." God god just that last scene and john walker's like ruining everything about the captain america thing and you know just just like like heartbroken that that is the way like the 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 impact it's supposed to have on the world in the show 
where where it's just so disappointing to see Captain America represented that way. And I do love the fact that he gets a lot this this TikToker gets a lot of shit for crying on camera and then comes back and goes, "I'm sorry if I disturbed some of you with my my tears of 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 emotion, but I I feel like I'm emotionally healthy and don't worry about the fact that I feel emotion occasionally." Like it's really good. I'll I'll see if I can find his stuff and and uh, cool. add that to to the um show notes as well. I, I go back to my note about how well Wyatt Russell is is playing this role. It, mm-hmm. And it's it's really great casting when you think about how weird, how odd uh his his face looks in the mask. And I I think that is even intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh because without the mask you see this kind of chiseled, you know, white guy and you think, yeah, like okay, he looks the part of Captain America and what that is supposed to that idea is supposed to look like to the people that want a Captain America, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and the people that miss Steve or, or, you know, feel like we need that same symbol. And then he puts on the mask and it's just like, what doesn't look right about it? Like, yeah. It's like there's it, his, his jaws too square. Like it doesn't taper. So it looks, it looks squished. But if they had picked somebody who looked great in the mask, would that really be ultimately serving the point of the character? Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. right. And I love the <laughs> fact that like the picture on that, that article that we've been referencing is a great picture of him. And, yeah. and you see like, he does look better with the, with the stubble and everything else. Like it looks yeah. a little bit more natural because yeah. he's not Captain America at this point. He's right. He's us agent at this point. Yes. And what a fitting name for the character you he is an agent of the u.s yeah well i mean that was the whole point right right and, right and apparently this all this all borrows from uh ta how do you spell it say his name ta-nehisi coats yeah yeah ta-nehisi coats um which again is the same idea of of where is Amer- where is captain america's place in the world especially where we are in the real world today. Like it's such, it's such a powerful, mm-hmm. um, and this was all, this all came before 2020. Like this was in development before this last year and a half of craziness mm-hmm. for, for them to be like, okay, we're, we're, we're heading in this direction. We need to, we need to focus on this. I think it's really says a lot. Yeah. Um, I got a tweet here from, uh, at Spidey TWS on Twitter that says Steve Rogers is what America believed it was. John Walker is what America truly is. And Sam Wilson is what America should be. Mm-hmm. And I hope, Good. I hope you're right about the Like, I think at this point I'm so disillusioned. I'm just like toss the shield, like just get it away. <laughs> but I do hope you're right that, that Sam gets to have it and kind of bring some, some validity back to the symbol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be great. Um, I also think Carly is cast very intentionally. And I, and I'm wondering if uh, that character is, I wonder what's in store for that character. If that character is going to have a future after this show, we don't know. Mm -mm. And if so, what could that be? Uh, Because it does seem like Carly represents the future in a lot of ways. And again, even even the her physical like appearance, I think, mm-hmm. was all intentionally chosen. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm interested, like, is that, is Carly going to get to, she's a super soldier. She, she can, she can hold her own in, in these, you know, these, these stories with these other powered characters. So there's potential there for her to maybe, you know, don a mask herself, uh, you know, take on a name, be a symbol of something, you know, going forward. I'm really interested to see, interested to see if, if that happens. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that could happen. Um, with that character, it'll be interesting to see how they use her. Because I don't think I think I think she's young enough that they might be going for that kind of opening up to maybe her views are not necessarily perfect either. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I don't get the sense that that you know just because she's radicalized doesn't mean that she's stuck in those ways that if she's presented with more information she might change how she views things so somebody said on youtube somewhere ooh what if they're setting up carly to be the the female nomad character from the comics and i oh. went and i went oh there's a female nomad i know a lot of characters in marvel comics have been called nomad Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, there's there's a female nomad character. I didn't know that. And so I did some research. Joe, uh, the person in the comic books who plays, uh, who, who becomes the female nomad, uh, their real name is Ricky Barnes. And Ricky Barnes is the Heroes Reborn version of Bucky Barnes oh, that Liefeld no. <laughs> <Lightfield> created. <laughs> no. <laughs> So I thought, oh shit, no, let's let's do something else. But that that was a cool thought for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I <laughs> and, and I did post something in in Slack this week, another TikTok because I'm just a little obsessed um, uh, about somebody who completely just dumps on Liefeld, and I you just have to check it out because it's too hard to describe without seeing the full video. But uh, I was very happy. Like anytime Rob Liefeld gets a smack upside the head, I'm perfectly happy with it. Mm. <laughs> so um Ricky Barnes ends up surviving the Heroes Reborn universe and becomes part of, you know, Earth 616 Marvel. And eventually hearing that her Captain America was dead, Ricky felt lost again and clung to the only thing she had, her heroism and her brother. Uh she sought out John Barnes of 6 Earth 616. And eventually um, takes on the role of Nomad. Uh, <laughs> so, I well, that would be perfect because nobody is going to nobody is going to create a Ricky Barnes like that's not going to happen, <laughs> right, right? So, but- so this is a, this is a character that definitely has the um, potential to be a, a, a character for Carly to to pick up. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. So, and Nomad, that'd be great. Um, all right. So I was worried for a minute there that maybe after the, the greatness that was the experience of like watching um, uh, WandaVision that maybe we weren't going to have as much to talk about with Falcon and Winter Soldier, but that's not turning out to be true. No, not at all. I, mean, <laughs> We've is, I, mean, I think we are way past two hours at this point on this episode. So I hope you guys shit. don't mind these really long episodes. We just like we're just doing our thing. I uh, I have a one last thing to talk about before we go. Okay, and it's spoilers, possibly. Okay, 
So if you don't want to know what's happening in upcoming episodes, which this is not confirmed. Um, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. This is confirmed. This is happening in the next episode. And if you want to know nothing at all, then maybe dip out at this point. <laughs> but it is confirmed that there's going to be a cameo in episode five. And this cameo is going to be a character that already exists in Marvel comics, but has not shown up in the MCU. Okay. This character is a street level character, not a super, super, you know, a uh, uh, powered character like Thor. Uh-huh. Uh, this character is not in line to have their own solo movie. So they're not on the slate and it's going to be played by a name actor. Mephisto. <laughs> Why did I not see that coming? Why did I not- <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> um, so people so are speculating. The writers so are the speculations. But, okay. So street level character. Mm-hmm. Um, exists in the comics mm-hmm. is going to be played by an actor that we recognize and is not set to have their solo movie. But in my head, I said, okay, just because they're not on the slate for a solo movie, like say Shang-Chi, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. I guess. I mean, maybe not for this particular show, but in terms of like, Oh, we're going to introduce a character that later on, you know, is slated for their own thing. Um, so that's not the case. I thought just because they're not slated for their own movie doesn't mean they're not slated for their own show. Mm-hmm. So my mind went to like maybe Moon Knight. Oh, maybe. Um, and then I thought, uh, what if it's maybe it's Kate Bishop? Um, maybe, maybe. Although I don't know that. Like, hmm. And then I thought, what if they're possibly looking to? Marvel characters that have been introduced in in television shows already, like Daredevil or Punisher or Luke Cage. Um, and then my last guess was maybe Yelena Belova, who's going to be in the in the Black Widow movie. But I, I'm not really feeling strongly about any of those guesses. Is there any other any guesses that other people are throwing out? Or those not, them? N- not those are them. Not that I've seen. Hmm. Yeah, some people have 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 thrown out more uh, obscure characters. But I w- like, why would you give a named char- like a, a a famous actor a exactly really obscure character that you're not going to use as much? Like, right? It has to be somebody with some sort of clout. I'm trying to think of what other Captain America characters there are. There's Nomad. There's um. Um, ugh, this is going to have to be, I think, the next thing that we we investigate because, although the next time we come back to this is, so we'll know who it is by then. This is on Slash Film, okay, SlashFilm.com. dot mm-hmm. uh, So it says the Falcon and Winter Soldier episode five will have a big Marvel cameo, but it's not who you think it is, and it says. Um, The folks behind Falcon and the Winter Soldier are getting ahead of the curve and teasing a major Marvel cameo that will appear in the upcoming fifth episode. So they're calling it a major Marvel cameo. However, this is the part where we kindly ask everyone to adjust their expectations. When the Falcon and the Winter Soldier first began airing in mid-March, showrunner 
and writer Malcolm Spellman teased a special cameo in episode five, which he's building up to be quite a doozy. This is a quote. Hands down, episode five, it just gets real, Spellman had said in an interview with comicbook.com in March. And in five, you're going to cry. I've heard I've heard that the, the next episode is going to be like traumatic. So what of this cameo? Fans have already begun speculating that this Marvel character will be one of the beloved heroes of the Marvel Cinematic Universe come to reunite with their fellow Avengers. But in an interview with Rotten Tomatoes, Spellman had shut down the possibility that it would be an Avenger that we had previously met in the MCU. Instead, Spellman described this episode five cameo as a grounded character who would make a nice contrast to world shakers like Thor or Captain America. So even Captain America, he's calling a world shaker. So this is a really grounded character. So maybe not powered or barely powered, but it's a character. We don't know that it's a hero now that I'm rereading this. And this is another quote. There are characters in our series who I would love to see partnered with. Like, it's a very, very grounded character. Partnered with one of the big world shakers like Thor or someone like that. The personality is so strong. It's the episode five character. I'd love to see that character with Thor. I know who it is. I know who it is. Do you really? I think I do. I bet it's Rick Jones. Oh. Oh. Who else do you, who else is street level that you pair with all the big hitters? And who who else have like I never thought we'd get a Rick Jones cuz it's like what part does he play? But he plays the part of like the 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 human heart character that like brings things back down to earth. I bet it's Rick Jones. I'm putting that I'm I'm putting that on my bingo card. It's Rick Jones. So I was thinking it's gonna be whoever the power broker is. Mm. So that's that was my thought. It, maybe it's gonna be a street like a vil, a villainous character, not necessarily a super villain. Um it says uh oh, okay, so Okay, so they are saying, hey, don't overdo it. There's more signaling coming from insiders saying, lower your expectations. It is, this is what Marvel insider Charles Murphy offered in the description of this surprise character. Uh, On this Falcon and Winter Soldier surprise actor slash actress. It's someone I would have never, I never would have expected to be in the MCU. It's someone I'm personally a huge fan of. Everyone is way overdoing it. I'm not talking about it anymore until after next week. I'm I'm going Rick Jones because so, like like again, not going to be a world shaker, going to have heart to the point where you somehow get, you know, choked up. Um who's going to be able to do that? A, a Rick Jones like fanboy kind of character. Um that's that's how I'm going with. And that is somebody that I can see giving a famous actor a um a role, but that will never have his own movie because there's just why would you ever give Rick Jones your, his own movie? Like there's right, like he's he's the he's everybody's sidekick. He has been everybody's sidekick in the Marvel universe. So right now, what I'm looking up is I'm looking up the actor who plays um uh what's his name Elijah Bradley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I thought about him too, but I figured he probably wasn't um wasn't name enough oh not no um what's what's his name 
not Elijah Bradley, but um, Elijah uh, Eli. No, Eli Bradley is the uh, is the grandson, right? I'm gonna look it up for you real quick. Thank you. Um, yeah, because I know I know exactly get, who I, I've seen him I'm, several times. I'm getting in the weeds here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm looking up the actor who plays Isaiah Bradley, which is, god damn it, the, Isaiah Bradley is the grandfather. The grandson is, I think you were right with Elijah Bradley. Or Eli Bradley. And that's Elijah Richardson, which I don't think he's name enough to fit the criteria. But I'm looking up the actor who plays Isaiah Bradley. And the, and I'll tell you why I'm, I'm in a minute when, once I find it. I want to know how old he is. He was born in 1951, Carl Lumley. Carl Lundley. Okay. How old is he? 51. So that would be Lumley. 50, 70, 69. Okay. Because I was wondering if he actually is that old or if it's makeup. But no, he's 69 years old. Because um, what if it's in a flashback? What if, what if we're going to see Isaiah Bradley in, you know, when he was Captain America? And and what if it's what if they're introducing a a name actor to play a a you know a a, a smaller character that is not going to be around for very long? What if we're going to see someone die or see someone? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they're saying that they'd love to see this act this character paired with paired with Thor doesn't mean that it's going to be possible at the end of it. Right. Interesting. So yeah, have you heard about this cameo? I've heard just a little bit this morning because again I've I've been I've been locked in editing uh, world for the last couple of weeks. So uh, you know I get up I watch my my, my on Friday I watch my Win- Falcon and Winter Soldier and then I I quickly uh, get back to editing. So um, like I said this morning I just watched those two videos to make sure I was caught up. Okay. Uh, I'm fascinated by this cameo just because my, my keeping my expectations, you know, in check, like it's, it's, I, and I, I like Rick Jones for that reason, because to, to fans of the comics, he's a very, very <laughs> important character, but he's not a big, you know, heavy hitter of a character. Right. He'd never have his own movie. He's very street level. I mean, very street level and he's very grounding. Like his whole job is to bring humanity to superheroes. Like that's what he does. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I looked up the original tweet from Charles Murphy, who said, it's someone I would never have expected. It's someone I personally huge, huge fan of. Everyone is way overdoing it. I'm talking about not talking about anymore after next week. And the first comment is, then why even fucking mention it? <laughs> 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 oh, this tweet has a lot of quote tweets. Um, Maybe it's She-Hulk. No, no, that's a big character though, and then she's very powerful. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Part of my mind goes, oh, someone said it's Kevin Feige. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Someone said it's going to be New Master ninety six. Uh, <laughs> uh. Um, this is so great. Uh, my, you know, 
on half of a mind to think like, oh, there's, it's something that's going to be plant, a seed planted for a future series or something. But then part of me is like, what if it's just like a nod to the to the fans and like they keep it as that? Hmm. 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 <laughs> okay. I just wanted to. I wanted to speculate a little bit with you at the end of this episode. Well, I'm glad you did because I didn't think about. I I just knew there was a cameo, and I'm like, I'm not going to get my hopes up because that's a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down. But once you explained the the criteria for this character, right. I'm like, well, that sounds like Rick Jones to me. That's and for those of you good. who don't know, because I know sometimes you like we are your introduction to these characters. Rick Jones was the Hulk's sidekick. Um, for a while, Captain America's Thor sidekick. He is the eternal sidekick. Like he is everybody. He has no powers. He has no costumed identity. I think he comes Captain Universe at some point. But like Aunt May was Captain Universe at some point. So yeah. um, he is. He is basically there to. He is. He is the Jimmy Olsen of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I wonder if kind of in the way that. Sorry, my brain is still just like crunching these these this criteria sam jones would be excellent from a from a comic book geek's point of view sam jones is excellent uh wait rick jones um but i'm wondering again like it's gonna i feel like it's gonna be someone that just kind of comes and goes it's not even like a hero again rick jones although rick jones did end up having powers at some point and becoming like you know all these uh, a couple of different superhero identities i think Mm-hmm. Um, someone said it's going to be Tom Hanks and he's, he's the one playing the power broker. Now that I'm reading it, someone I would never have expected to be in the MCU, meaning that the actor slash actress, also someone I'm personally a huge fan of again, the actor actress, hmm. someone said, what if it's Will Smith playing young Isaiah Bradley? Oh, oh. <laughs> I would love to see him paired with Thor. Thor has been, a, Thor is 1,500 years old, by the way, people. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's definitely a different way to go. Like if yeah. for what actor would it be? That would be, um, the young Isaiah Bradley in a flashback. And that would explain why we would be choked up because we see how bad yeah. he's treated. Shit gets real. That's where it gets yeah. real. And that would be that would be a significant enough part for somebody who's a big named actor who otherwise didn't want to do. Mar- so that's mm-hmm. a, so so. I think one of us is going to be right. <laughs> I think it's either going to be somebody portraying a young Isaiah Bradley or Rick Jones. Yeah. Oh. This is so good, man. I love the speculation stuff. I, even if it comes to nothing and we're way off base, it's just so much fun. Right. Well, and and like we thought we weren't going to have any of this in this series. We thought, oh, this will be pretty cut and dry compared to the last one. No, no. I mean, it would be fun if it's just like a name actor they got to play the power broker. Just like mm-hmm. someone, you know, that we're never going to see again or, you know, their, their, their role is going to be done after this show. But it's just like someone like, you know, uh, I don't know. Kate Winslet playing the power broker, you know, like just yeah, like, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> that's crazy that they got this person to play this role. Like that would be cool. Yeah. All right. All right. We are on like, I think this is like a two and a half hour episode. Shit. So we should probably wrap this up. All right. Joe and I are just going to keep talking the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the tweet, the, the, the messages will fly back and forth. Um, 
All right, so I don't know what we're going to do next week. We don't have a plan. We'll figure something out. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll cut off the weekly geekery off of this episode, and we'll add. <laughs> we'll, we'll expand it to a full episode next next week. Um, any any shout outs? I'm going to give a shout out to Chelsea for all the great um, content that she's been putting up on Slack. Uh, definitely join uh, in and check that out. I'm I'm sorry we we did not leave enough time to read it all, but, <laughs> but uh, shout out to you, Chelsea, and also to Lyle who finally sat down and watched uh, New Mutants. I hope that you were um, sufficiently inebriated while you while you sat through that. <laughs> yeah, I echo those shout outs. I was basically going to shout out Chelsea, but yeah, you know, it's so much fun interacting with people on Slack. So it, it really is. You guys are great. Yeah. Uh, all the music in this episode is by Ben sound is being used under creative commons license. You can find more music by Ben sound at bensound.com. Geek to is a proud member of the geek to geek network. Check out other geek to geek shows, the geek to geek podcast, tea time with Katie and Chelsea, Disney forever. You can't stop me. Love and K pop, the Nerdberg review, jrpgs and me dragon quest fm as the dice roll and sometimes rob and our newest podcast mating habits of the modern geek also check out our twitch streamers capsule j and bama shocks and make sure to join us in slack or discord where you can chat with us in real time you can currently find us at geek as well as on apple Podcasts, stitcher google podcasts and other podcatchers out there please leave us a review and spread the word if you'd like to contact me you can send me an email at joe hogan at geektitude.com you can also follow the show on twitter at geektitude or me personally at epic grays ray where can we find you find me at ray vargas three on twitter instagram and facebook and go to my website at rayvargas 3com to look at my artwork yes that's it for this week Thank you for sitting through a very, very long episode. Uh, But until next week, please remember, keep it geek.